Hey, real quick, before the episode starts here, and we get into all the fun and shenanigans on this fucking episode. And you can probably hear my dishwasher behind me because I'm not turning it off and I just remembered to record this. Anyway, at the very end of the podcast, and I'm talking the very end, you got to get through like the end music and everything. I took the audio that was from the leaked Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer and I recorded it and tried to clean it up the best I could. But if you want to try to listen to that fucking shit, you can. It's at the very end of the podcast. Um, The person recorded it. You couldn't make out some of the audio, but you do get to hear some lines from it and some of the music. If you really want to hear it because it's been taken offline, it's at the very end of the podcast. All right. And here we go with the show. I don't know why I said it like that. That was fucking stupid. I'll never do it again. you yeah you over there with the headphones on no no definitely not the guy wearing the fedora you're not indiana jones you're a cashier at arby's listen the hat doesn't make you look mysterious It makes you look like a sad virgin. Anyway, back to Headphone Guy. Are you looking for more pop culture leftovers? I know there's times when I want more. And I want it now. And I say, give it to me. Give me more. Well, guess what? No, again, I'm not talking to you, Fedora Guy. When I want more horsey sauce, I'll talk to you. Anyway, now you can get more pop culture leftovers. Just head over to patreon.com and join the Pop Culture Leftovers Patreon. And you'll get two more episodes every month for only $6. It's that easy. You know what else should be easy? Taking off that damn hat and getting out of your parents' basement. Join the PCL Patreon today for only $6 a month. Episode 433. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall. It's a trap. Leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. 
Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah. Oh, well, listen to Jake. You're mixing it up there at the beginning, man. I mixed it up when I do. A little bit, man. Sometimes, I don't know, like your delivery on that one is a little bit smoother at the beginning. And we're the leftovers is how you said it. You said it, you enunciated perfectly, perfect delivery. When we get to the end of the show and you've got to say, we're putting a lid on it, man, you fucking, you spit that out so goddamn fast. You fucking, it just, it flies out of your fucking mouth. You say it like you're fucking like that Micro Machines guy. Like you're I fucking. no grasp on the, on the timing at the end whatsoever. You're like trying to get it out of your mouth so quickly. It's like a fucking teenage boy trying to get a bra off a girl for the first time. You're just like, <laughs> it's ridiculous, Jake. And then like, you just need to just like let that flow like you do at the beginning here. It sounded perfect. I don't know what the fuck. At the end, you're just like, put a little on it. It's like, just like, you're trying, it's just like, it's like you're trying to get rid of a grenade jake and it's just like they're just words dude you just just gotta say them buddy that's all you gotta do they're just words all right i got this i got this i'm pumping <laughs> myself up i don't know why i fucked that you, up it's you, so fucking easy you shouldn't have to pump yourself up to get the, to, to say that at the end it's just so easy There's okay a, yeah. Yeah, you don't need to go all Stuart Smalley with daily affirmations trying to pump yourself <laughs> I up. Think at I think I might actually. I, <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's see if it, if it works. Then it works, man. So I'm going to be doing the Stuart Smalley. All I right. am good enough. You are smart enough, and doggone it, you 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 just say things too quickly. I'm, I'm surprised when you don't when you do your daily affirmation, you don't spit it out really quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. God, God, people, people like me. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, blur from Transformers. All right, <laughs> that's the same guy as the last guy you referenced. I know the Micro Machines guy. I can't. What's his name? Machiato. I can't remember his fucking name. I don't remember his name. Yeah, he's probably dead by now, right? No, he's still alive. He's just a little slower <laughs> these days. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, after the stroke, Jay. No, um, sorry, that was <laughs> that was fucked up, man. Uh, Jake, we've got a guest. We're not alone. We are joined by Mr. Joe Stark from Starkcast. Welcome, Joe. Hey guys, stoked to be here, man. Listen to you mixing it up, man. Speaking of mixing it up, we've got Joe with less enthusiasm, but. It, I think it was like channeled that way. He was like, "If I come out with guns a blazing like I usually do, I might startle Brian." You know, <laughs> I might, I might give that blur guy his second stroke. <laughs> so. It's very considerate of Joe. It is. Yeah. Welcome, Joe. We'll just blaze through his eulogy. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be great. Like it's like at three times speed. <laughs> he was a People friend to all. Like, I'm sad, but I'm happy. It went fast. He was a friend to everyone who knew him. Uh, he was. He was. Loving that. <laughs> he was a father. He was a loving he was, husband and father. <laughs> <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, Joe, happy to have you on. All three of us next week. Uh, no new episode next week for PCL. I am going to be dropping uh, an episode, though. It's it's in the queue, Jake. I've got it loaded in the chamber, ready to go. It's like there. It's like I'll be at C2E2 fucking around. And all of a sudden, people on Sunday morning, I think it's 6 o'clock Central, they're going to get a new episode dropping on them. 
God bless technology. God bless technology. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Micro Machine guy charging seventy five dollars a pop for a cameo. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was on Saved by the Bell. Yeah, yeah. He had a, he he had he was one of their teachers. It was the I there was I remember a, that. Yes, there was an episode where he was one of their teachers, and they're in there, and he's going over. I can't remember. Let's just say it was like the Revolutionary War, and he's giving them all the facts, and they're writing very fast on their notepads. And then there's like this fucking like uh, joke that they that they like cram into this fucking montage of him going over all the facts, where they're writing so fast and their pages start smoking. <laughs> of course isn't it unreal that i can remember that jake that's crazy yeah <laughs> yeah i was a big safe by the bell fan if you didn't pick up on that you know what ac slater what it stands for i don't ac would tell you it stands for absolutely charming but his real name's albert clifford <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> that's good trivia that's good trivia yeah that would get me somewhere Anyway. Mm. Yeah, welcome, Joe. We're all going to be at C2E2. Can't wait to see all of us get together. Got a good group of people meeting up with us this week. Probably will have a C2E2-centric bonus episode uh, once we get back and talk about that. I'll figure something out for that. But, uh, yeah. Hey, Joe, during a Patreon episode... I brought yeah. up that I went to I went to the store and there was a guy out front playing the violin. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it didn't leave a lasting impression, did it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you what song he was playing. But. <laughs> nah, I don't. I don't know what fucking song he was playing either, Joe. Anyway, I, th- okay, I, I got a follow up to that for the people that did care to remember <laughs> that aren't that aren't named Joe. For the patrons. No, this is, I recorded it because I thought, man, this guy's really fucking good. Wow, this sounds really good. So I recorded it. Hold on. This is this. You're walking out, you're walking into the store, and this is what you hear. Wow. Wow, that sounds great, man. What a talent. What a fucking talent. What a fucking fraud. Oh, my God. Have you The news is that these people are doing it all over the fucking country. It's a scam. It's all pre-recorded. They're holding up signs saying that they're trying to get through college and all this shit. And they got to take care of their family. And they'll even have, like, kids out there and shit. And, and a big bucket where people can put money. It's a fucking scam. It's all pre-recorded. They're not even playing. They're just fucking... Whatever. So, yeah, I was reading a news news article. It's all fraud. It's all fake. I was watching somebody pull off a scam there, Joe. This guy was getting fucking tons of money, too. I, I don't is that, is that your, you, oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I don't understand you fake playing a violin in front of a crowd. It's like, do you not see the bow, like, going, uh, touching the strings? Because Pe- violin, like, my cousin mm-hmm. had one of those. And so I fucked around with one before. And it's 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 easy to make a violin sound really fucking terrible. Yeah, I, I don't know how it works and how he's able to pull it off with that. You know, I, all I know is that like when I saw it, I'm not I'm just listening. I'm not really just standing there watching him. So, you know, I'm just I didn't pay him a goddamn thing because I'm just walking in, <laughs> walking out. I don't feel like he did. You know, whatever. I don't I didn't feel like you're forcing me to listen to it on my way in and on my way out. It's not like I fucking 
And everybody's asking you for every fucking donation everywhere you go. You go to fucking Walgreens, you go to Walmart, you get done. Hey, would you like to give a dollar to the... And I don't know where this fucking money's going. I don't trust anybody anymore. So yeah, no, I, I never give money to panhandlers. And if that makes me a bad person, then whatever. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't give any money there, but I found out I was reading in the newspaper that these are scam artists. So I wanted to let our listeners know that it would be awesome if you were to uh, tell a friend of yours to record you as you get ready to scare the shit out of them and watch the music continue to play as they drop the violin. Just just <laughs> bum rush them and go, ah! just scare the shit out of them. Make them drop the violin and the music is still playing. And you've got it. Now you've got yourself a hot TikTok video. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you went into the Casey Case for that, too. <laughs> and now you've got yourself a hot TikTok video. <laughs> this one goes out to all the TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> I go in and out of Casey. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get really skeptical about the panhandlers, too. Like, uh, they're always out there with a dog or a kid and stuff like that. I Like, I guess there's got to be some legitimate ones, but yeah, I always think the worst that every single one of them is a fucking scam. These guys are living better than I am, probably. I did it one time. Hold on. I did it one time, and it was like the guy was holding a sign that said, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten. So I said, okay. All right. So I went to Hardee's and bought him a couple sandwiches. And you should have seen the look of, I don't want these fucking sandwiches on this guy's face. <laughs> I want your fucking cash. And that, from that day forward, it just proved to me, they don't fucking, they don't, they're, they're not hungry. They just want fucking money for whatever the fuck they're going to use it for. So, yeah, that's just, eh, that was just my experience. So it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. There's just, a used to be a panhandler that hung out at this intersection right outside of a local Walmart. And he always had an acoustic guitar and his sign said that he gave lessons. And I always thought that that would be the greatest, greatest story. <laughs> You'd be like, where'd you learn how to play guitar? Well, from this panhandler guy outside of a Walmart <laughs> like, over the course of five months. Yeah. <laughs> Do you learn right there on the road? I don't know. I've never <laughs> stopped to ask, but I'm so interested. <laughs> That's bizarre. Guys, we've Great got, story, though, right? Yeah. Guys, we've got a new contest, and this one is uh, for physical copies of The Lost City. And these are Blu-ray copies. We're going to have five copies. Not going to be able to go over the winners next week, but the following week we'll go over the winners. Uh, own The Lost City on Blu-ray today. The hilarious adventure starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum will take you on a thrill ride through the jungle to survive the elements and find an ancient treasure before it's lost forever. Critics are calling it nonstop fun. Bring the adventure home today and get over 50 minutes of bonus content, including deleted scenes, cast interviews, and much more. Rated PG-13 from Paramount Pictures also stars Daniel Radcliffe. I was actually watching. What was I watching? I was getting, I was getting my oil changed. And they had, on the TV, they had uh, Kelly Clarkson. And she, she was singing some bullshit. And then she got done singing her bullshit. She brought out Daniel Radcliffe. And they were talking about this movie. And, uh, yeah, he's also in this movie. I, I don't know why I went into that whole story. <laughs> Couldn't tell you one significant thing that he said during that interview. 
<laughs> not not a goddamn thing. I, I bring I'm bringing nothing to the table this week. I brought a violin story and a fucking a vague a very vague Kelly Clarkson interview. What was she saying <laughs> with Daniel? Some bullshit, like I said before, Jake. Very vague. I'm very vague this episode. <laughs> Why the fuck would I care what Kelly Clarkson is singing? She's never been in my fucking rotation on my phone. Never in my Spotify playlist am I listening to Kelly Clarkson. I don't know one Kelly Clarkson song. It's a, it's a miracle I know her name's Kelly Clarkson. I mean, you saw the forty year old version. That's the so only. Pro- that's the only way I know her fucking name. <laughs> Is from the 40-year-old virgin. That's it, Jake. I don't give a fuck. I'm a 44-year-old man. There's no reason for me to give a fuck about Kelly Clarkson. Oh, man. Since you've been gone as a banger, dude, you don't know what you're missing. Oh, my God, Jake. (laughs) Whoever has your fucking balls in a fucking mason jar under the sink i would ask for it back my god kelly clarkson (laughs) oh my balls are gigantic to admit that i like kelly clarkson (laughs) uh uh, dirty anyway yeah kelly clark anyway lost city i've got five copies physical copies are going to be giving away in two weeks um in order to qualify, I'm going to be sending out a Facebook post uh, for The Lost City and a tweet on Twitter. All you need to do is retweet it or share it on Facebook and then screenshot that you did. Send it to contest at popcultureleftovers.com and uh, title it The Lost City. Yeah, real original there with the title. But that's the title that you need to give me to be entered into the contest. And then in two weeks, we'll go over the five winners and we'll get those Blu-rays sent out to you and uh hopefully we'll be having uh some more contests later in the month so yeah fantastic lost city i absolutely loved it i thought it was a great movie i gave it a tupperware did i think no i gave it a high taste i really enjoyed that fucking movie though oh yeah it was super fun i loved that one this is only for u.s residents (laughs) you have to let people know it's only i'm sadly it's only for u.s residents uh, but uh, yeah, enter the contest. Guys, first thing we are going to jump into this week is not good pop, bad pop. We're shaking things up a little bit. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, this. Uh, you know, we had San Diego Comic Con last week, all this big news that, you know, Kevin Feige comes out there and he's like, fucking, you know, phase six. And he gives us three titles in phase six. He's saying Fantastic Four kicks off phase six. He's talking about. Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, and then six months later, we're getting Avengers Secret Wars. And the whole time, we're talking about, oh my God, there's got to be an X-Men movie in there somewhere, and then getting the X-Men into the MCU, that way we can get X-Men into into, uh, Secret Wars. And there's this report, no X-Men in MCU until after 2025, phase seven at earliest. And uh, I was just like, okay, what is going on here? And it sounds, from the sounds of it, it sounds like it's very much business-related. According to Devin Frossi, uh, former editor-in-chief of Birth Movies Death and current co-host of Marvel Television, uh, uh, he says 20th Century Fox's contractual obligations to actors in the X-Men franchise have carried over to Disney Marvel and are in effect until 2025. 
This means Marvel cannot recast, announce, or enter production on a film that includes roles held by some, if not all, of the, of the most recent principal actors in the Fox X-Men franchise. Deadpool 3 and Xavier in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness are exempted because... Uh, they are original actors, so they're able to use. They're able to come out with Deadpool three, use Ryan Reynolds because they're the original actor. Same thing goes for Patrick Stewart um, as Xavier. Uh, Frosty isn't in the scoop game and doesn't pretend to be, but retains industry contacts and occasionally relays some info he's been told. Most of the speculation has been that Marvel, uh, Disney, Marvel want to drip out their newly acquired IP to sustain the longevity of the MCU. But if this is true, the apparent delay in introducing the X-Men is due to being effectively legally prevented from rebooting. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're looking at here. Th- that was the initial report. I'm going to get into another rumor here real quick. I, yeah, let me talk about this one. Um, the Illum- the Illuminati is now claiming after learning this, we did some more digging and discovered that discovered the actors are not the only ones that have a standing contract tying them to the X-Men. According to our sources, Marvel is holding off on the X-Men because the producers of Fox's X-Men films are still attached via contract. Disney likely wants to not only recast many of these iconic roles, but they also want a clean break from the producers that help shape Fox's X-Men story as well. It seems Disney's main concern is not the return of past actors, as evidenced by Patrick Stewart reprising his role in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Instead, the primary reason for waiting is presumably to get a clean break from producers like Simon Kinberg and Brian Singer, who have no connection to the MCU thus far. If Marvel Studios were to include an X-Men movie in the MCU lineup before 2025, they would be included on, as pro, uh, on the project as producers, which at minimum would mean credit and compensation, but could also mean they have some degree of story control as well. It makes sense financially that Marvel would want to wait for the X-Men, not only so that they don't have to pay out the past producers that wouldn't be connected to the franchise long term, but because if they were to recast down the road, the new actors could use the original actors' contracts to ne- to negotiate. That's interesting as well. Okay, so basically, it's it comes down to like if they did. Want, and I, I know this is the multiverse saga. If they did want to bring in some of the past actors from the Fox universe, now they could. But as far as recasting. If they did do that prematurely, they've got to include producer uh, producer credit to Simon Kinberg and and Simon Kinberg and, and and Brian Singer and some other producers. And not only that, but now these other actors can use the contracts of like maybe a Jackman or um, a Jennifer Lawrence or I mean, depending on which characters they're wanting to pull. They could use their contracts and what they were making. I mean, it, you're just getting into a bunch of legal bullshit that they really probably don't want to open up that can of worms. And it sounds more of a headache than it would be to just wait. Just wait until, you know, 2025 has been completed and then start recasting and bringing people in. Do I still think that there's a chance that maybe now Ryan Reynolds can 
maybe get us, you know, just maybe like one appearance of Hugh Jackman in the MCU. I think it, it's possible. I, th- I mean, we got, we got fucking uh, Patrick Stewart. I don't, I'm not saying it's a sure thing. And I don't know, maybe it would be a little confusing to bring him in. I don't know. And I, th- I guess the, there was enough to- of a time lapse between the, the Fantastic Four movie from when the Trank movie came out. Because, like, you got to think that that last X-Men movie, I mean, we had two of them. We had, like, the, that last uh, Dark Phoenix movie. And then we had the New Mutants, which came out most recently. But, um, what do you, yeah, what do you, I, I, I've been rambling on. I, I want to know what you guys are thinking of this. Because I, I, I am, I guess I'm a little upset. But then on the flip side, I don't think, I think this might have been Feige's plan all along. He had to have known this going into phases five and six. Yeah, my initial reaction was also to be upset. But then when you kind of explain the whole producers aspect of it, like I wouldn't want to put Singer and Kingsburg's name on my shit either. Like I'd want to just wait and get past that as well, especially if it means they could potentially come in and dip their foot in the pool and give their creative say. Like there's no way they want to deal with any of that because, I mean, they're going to weave a web of storytelling and they don't want some other guy who's not involved in any of that having any control of that whatsoever. So, yeah, I would rather wait to deal with that, too. Um, It also made me think about the rumors of them doing a movie like called the mutants and stuff like that. Right. As long as they don't call the thing X-Men, as long as they don't use characters that have already been cast in previous Fox movies, correct me if I'm wrong, they could get away with that. Right. It seems uh, like they could. Yeah. It seems like they could. Um, and I mean, I mean, there's th- like, you know, 300 th- plus different X-Men slash mutant characters. They could, they could pick from before showing us any of the main ones. I mean, with the stuff that happened in Ms. Marvel, they're not afraid to, you know, drop that theme, drop that name. It's hard to believe that we're not going to see any more of that kind of thing until phase seven. I, I believe they've got to do something, but they're probably going to, you know, tread carefully and not have to put singer's name on anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, with that, don't you think that there could be some back end deals like a buyout? But then on the flip side, it's like, who wants that information to get out that you're paying that guy anything? Um, uh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But, well, knowing that Kevin Feige got his start also with those X-Men movies, can you imagine how great it must feel to be like, now I get to have these characters in my sandbox. And if I just wait a little bit longer I don't have to include my old boss in the deal. <laughs> like it, that's got to be fantastic. But yeah. it does feel like this is just all smart business to do it this way. I was really hoping that this was going to be going towards something where it would be a, a showdown with the X-Men and Secret Wars just because it felt like such a natural place to put them in. But knowing all the business behind it or at least the the rumors of it, this absolutely makes sense. Yeah, I just wonder, I wonder why the Fantastic Four are included. Is it because of like the just the timing with the Trank movie? I don't know. I mean, it's you know, I I just I find that interesting. So yeah, how, well, how big of a gap was there between that movie and New Mutants? Well, Fantastic Four. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't even be that. It would be like, I mean, we also had the the Dark Phoenix movie. That was that, and that was theatrical. So it was New Mutants. Um, 
20, but I, I feel like for new mutants. I think 2015 was the Trank movie, right? Yeah, you're right. So I, I think I think you're dead on, Brian. I think it's just time. I mean, that's five years removed, and yeah. it's about three more years until X Men cuts loose. So that that math adds up. It's probably just time. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they will dip into that well though, and and give us some different mutants. Well, I think they I can. Think they in, I think they can in Deadpool. For sure. I just, you know yeah. what I mean? I just, I think they can in Deadpool. I think they can give us, they probably can give us different mutants, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, and that's why we're able to call, we're able to call, finally we're able to call Wanda the Scarlet Witch now. I mean, that's part of that deal as well. Yeah. So that and, works And out. going back to Jackman, I could totally see him doing a cameo in Deadpool 3 now, especially since Patrick Stewart came back and mm-hmm. did that cameo and they were kind of together in solidarity with logan being the last outing and honestly i don't care if it confuses audiences because i no. think i i fuck them if you can't if you can't follow this shit fuck you we all would love <laughs> to see hugh jackman show up and i would love to see i would love to see them make that happen i mean as far as like him showing up and you know somewhere in phase six in the multiverse saga just if it's just jackman i'm completely fine with that I don't need yeah, anybody yeah. else. And with the I, multiverse I in play, sorry, Joe. Oh, I was just going to say, with the multiverse in play, it's just the perfect opportunity to slot him in. I know, Jake. You, you the perfect send off was Logan. Blah blah blah. Right? No, I wasn't going to say that. Okay. I was going to say that. You know me. I I don't give a shit about audiences besides myself. So yeah. I don't give a fuck how confused these people are. And I mean, we're leading up to what potentially could be one of the most confusing MCU events of all time. And I think the. Hugh Jackman is Wolverine is small potatoes to what audiences are going to have to comprehend with Secret Wars well, and the I, Kang Dynasty. Well, especially if Secret Wars, I mean, does well Secret Wars? Do you think that they'll do Battle World within that movie, or do you think that that'll be a separate movie? I think they'll do Battle World within that movie if they do Battle World, which I think Battle World would be amazing if they did it. Um, yes, I, that would be so much fun. Yeah, and to see Jackman show up from Battle World would just be incredible the only thing is we wouldn't see like who they're recasting as the new wolverine which i mean honestly we've got a lot going on i'm sure in phase six i'm sure we're gonna get the the second shang chi movie in there um i'm sure that you know um a bunch of the other things that they kind of teased for d23 and some of those trademark um uh, trademarks, uh, trademarks that they filed, those titles of possible projects that they filed, we'll probably see some of those pop in as well. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see the two movies that are in between Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. That's what really like. What are those two movies? Hmm. I, w- I wonder if it is going to be. Oh man, because yeah, it's like which. <laughs> You know, yeah, we're going to talk about Destin, uh, Destin Daniel Cretton. Um, is, is it Daniel Destin Cretton? Or am I get, am I getting his name wrong? <laughs> Destin Daniel Cretton. Destin Daniel Cretton. I was right the first time. Uh, you know, we know he's working on a second Shang Chi movie as well. Yeah, that was going to be my guess that and, one of those was going to be a sequel. Well, and that, but see, then he's also. I think it's sooner than that with him doing Kang Dynasty. Well, they've they've we know he's doing both. It's just. And they said that he's not going to be doing Secret Wars. And, and if he's not doing Secret Wars, that makes sense. That's three movies in Phase 6 for that guy to do. Like, even the Russos. I mean, how soon after 
like civil war did they do infinity war you know it's yeah, Infinity War and Endgame. And it was two they of them. those back-to-back. And it was, yeah, they filmed the back-to-back. And that was two of them. This is just, like, one guy. I can't imagine him doing, you know. Well, anyway, he'll do Shang-Chi, and they called it, what was it, The Wreckage of Time. Yeah. Shang, uh, Shang-Chi and the Wreckage of Time It was the rumored title. So do you think that'll come out after or before? I think before. That's what I think, too. Huh. Especially if that title is is accurate i could see how that would fit in i can see it even being after though because of the kang dynasty like all the things happening in that movie oh yeah that is a great aftermath right type title like yeah, like that's we, what rex time is we, whatever went on with kang yeah we see a bunch of things happen with like the timelines and things like that in the kang dynasty you know within the within that movie and then like the next movie out of that is Shang-Chi and the Wreckage of Time. Now that character is going to have to deal with the aftermath in their own story leading up and leading up to Avengers Secret Wars, where hopefully he becomes part of the team. So, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, it sounds like we're not going to get any, like, major X-Men announcements until Phase 7. So we're looking at 2026 being the soonest for an X-Men movie. I hope that it doesn't mean that and we do get to see a lot of more like C-list, D-list X-Men characters before we see all the main players. I mean, that's kind of in the spirit of how the MCU started in the first place. It's not like if they had their choice of matters, they would have started with Iron Man. So I'm actually really intrigued about introducing X-Men that aren't Cyclops, Wolverine, Colossus, Storm right off the bat and seeing some of these, you know, more niche characters. Well, Colossus will definitely be coming back for the Deadpool. I hope we get Negasonic Teenage Warhead coming back. I haven't heard about her. Oh, yeah, that character was great. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll see. I I think in the end, I think this will all work out fine. I guess just as, like, fans, we were all hoping to see the X-Men be involved in, like, this first kind of big event. But maybe it makes sense that they're not going to be involved in this. That maybe after this... After the multiverse saga, now the next thing we got to deal with is mutants. Can't you see Deadpool saying to Colossus before the final scene, it'd be great to have the other X-Men here, but we have to wait till fucking 2026. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, fuck you, Brian Singer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I would love, oh, man, I would love... Uh, to just fast forward time and get to phase seven. Cause I'm so ready to see what, uh, Feige does, um, with the X-Men. So we shall see. Yeah. And people, if you're, if you're screaming right now, being like, they're doing X-Men 97, they're doing X-Men. It, animated stuff is different than film stuff. It's, it's completely different. The animated stuff is completely different than the film stuff. That's just, this is how it is. So, um, all right, guys. <laughs> I mean, it's true, though, you know? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. All right, guys. Let's jump into uh, this week's Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. 
The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, real quick. Uh, fuck, I, I finally finished season three of The Umbrella Academy. Uh, teased it last week. Oh, my God. Absolute Tupperware. My favorite season. So fantastic. Uh, it is It is definitely, you know, it's nice getting um, the boys and the Umbrella Academy coming out relatively at the same time, one right after the other. The boys is superior, in my opinion. But, my God, the Umbrella Academy just continues to be uh, a great show. I loved this season. I loved the Sparrows. Um, I love the fact that uh, Elliot Page got a lot more to do uh, within the family this season. I thought that that was fantastic. So really, Tupperware the fuck out of Umbrella Academy Season 3. Joe, I finished Farzar. Yes. Love it, man. <laughs> Absolute Tupperware for the whole fucking season, man. I loved it. Absolutely loved so it, good. dude. So good. One I'm the... glad you finished it. What did you think of that episode with the Golden Girls? Oh, that was great. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Bazarak was hilarious in that one. <laughs> with Harold. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Fucking Harold, man. <laughs> I love Bazarak. He's so fucking funny. Great character. Um, and uh, finished uh, The Bear on FX Hulu and uh, Absolute Tupperware for The Bear. Joe, did you did you watch that or finish that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I had seen it. I thought it was really good, too. I'm a huge fan of that lead. I, I loved him in Shameless. He was one of my favorite characters from that ensemble cast. Yeah. This is my first exposure to that dude. He is fucking incredible. I I yeah, I'm a fan now. Maybe I should watch Shameless. Oh, maybe I should find time. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> I was like, for sure cramming eight season. seasons of Shameless. Yeah, it's like <laughs> if, fucking. If you have time for it, just watch the first season and then know that it's not going to get any better than that. Well, here it's like uh, the title. The title of this episode should be Brian and the Wreckage of Time. I have no time <laughs> to watch anything. Other than PCL shit for that week, it's insane. Um, except for the shit that I watched really late at night, and I'm about to talk about one of those here in a moment. Anyway, stuff I watch before I go to bed. Um, I'm through four episodes of Blackbird, the Taron Egerton show. Joe, I don't nice. know are, how, how many episodes, because they dropped I'm, a new I'm one. I'm current on it. You're I'm, current. I'm up through episode five. I haven't watched episode five yet. That's on the, that's oh. on the, that's on the slate tomorrow. But I can't, dude, I fucking love this show. It's so good, dude. It's so good. The the actors in this are just putting on a clinic. Yeah. Um. Especially on blanking on the guy's name that's playing Larry. Paul, Paul Walter but, Hauser, I think, is his name. Yeah, that that guy. Un. He's just so creepy on the screen, and to think that's also Stingray from Cobra Kai, just unbelievable. The guy's got incredible range. Well, he did that. I think it, didn't he do that fucking Clint Eastwood movie with the he played. Oh, God, he played a... Anyway. I haven't seen any... He was in a serious drama where he was this guy who, like... I think there was, like, a bomb or something like that, and he was supposed to be, like, this big hero, and they tried to turn it on him, and, I mean, he was really good in that, and, oh, who? what was her name? (laughs) He was also an I, Tanya, wasn't he? Yeah, he was an I, Tanya. Kathy Bates was in the other movie I was talking about. She played his mom, and... He's, he's good in that movie, too. Um, I watched uh, a movie that I wa- that came out last year that I really wanted to see called Blue Bayou. 
and um it's a it's it's about a a Korean guy who um Scott Shooty loves to text me during <laughs> during recordings every week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Scott, I'll get to your text later, but I'm sorry, dude. It's Saturday evening. It's what seven o'clock. Does I, he want a good night? I, he's, he's getting ready for bed. <laughs> he, he's like, Brian, I just took my metal musel. I'm getting ready for bed. Got my you fi- have a good night. Got my fiber. Good night, buddy. Just fucking with you, Scott. Anyway, uh, Blue Bayou. It's a um, movie about this guy who's got a, you know, uh, troubled past and you know couldn't make ends meet and used to used to be a thief and steal shit and then he gets in trouble with the law and uh they find out that uh his adoption never really went through so they're like this guy's lived here for over 30 years and they're trying to send him back to korea and he's fucking american he's lived here since he was three and it is a tremendous movie i fucking start i like cried at the end i was just like oh my god and come to find out like this is a real fucking thing that happened so i was blown away by this fucking movie it's called blue bayou you can watch it on hbo max um the guy who stars in it i also believe wrote and directed it and um uh, it's got uh, alicia vikander from ex machina and she was also in tomb raider she's also she's also in this movie as well as the female lead and she is fantastic so i recommend blue bayou absolute tupperware and then, Joe, this week, the show that I've been watching before I go to bed, before I go night-night, uh, has been... I think I know what it is. Fucking Tool Academy, dude. Yes. <laughs> I'm so happy for you that you bought that season. I, one of those weird little earworm things that has stuck in my head for well over a decade now. And it's it's towards the end of the season, and it's when two of the last guys that are left, the, the one cool guy gets in the other guy's face, and he's like, What's up now, bro? Say that to my wife all the time. Well, this sh- <laughs> the show, the show you can you can buy the first season on Prime Video. The show is like one of those like late two thousands shows. It's two thousand and nine, and a bunch of these guys um, get on this show. They think they're going on a show called Mister Awesome, where they're gonna like whoever wins is gonna be crowned Mister Awesome, and then they find <laughs> out that. They are at the Tool Academy because they're all tools and all their girlfriends show up and they have to go through therapy sessions and each week they're given challenges. And if they're proving that they're not changing at the end ceremony, one of them gets eliminated and they're told, you know what, you're a tool. And then they flunk out of Tool Academy. And then once they flunk out, they meet their girlfriend outside of the Academy. And then she gets to make the decision if she's going to let them go with her or not. Or if she's going to break up with them there on the spot and then just leave them there at the Tool Academy. Brutal. (laughs) Dude, this show is so good. There's guys that fucking get up in each other's faces and yell and scream and fight. And then there's this guy, Sean. And it's the second episode, and they're in a therapy session with, uh, I think her name's Trina Dolans at the time. She was married to Mickey Dolans, <laughs> one of the monkeys. Um, and um, this woman walks into the therapy session, and she's like, hi, um, my name is Ida, and I am Sean's real girlfriend of six years. 
So this dude shows up to the Tool Academy with his side girlfriend. <laughs> oh, no. And this girl comes in and she's like, I've been his girlfriend for six years. And so the other girl, Jamie, fucking, he has to choose between Jamie and Ida. And he chooses his girlfriend from six years. <laughs> and the girl, Jamie, leaves this show. This show is nuts, dude. There's this fucking guy named Matsu Flex that fucking thinks he, <laughs> that thinks he is so awesome and, and he's going to change the way America thinks and blah, blah, blah. And Joe, I, I've got one episode <laughs> left in the first season. I remember watching it when it first came out, but I'm going to definitely buy the second and third season when I get done. So. I didn't know there was multiple seasons. I'd only ever seen the first. Yes, dude. There were three. Holy shit. Se- yes, there were, there were three seasons. I will hook you up with my account and you can watch it. Oh, my dude. Th- that show is so memorable. Like, do you remember on the first episode when they're all coming out and trying to look cool and the one guy's bouncing the basketball and he tries to bounce it between his legs and it hits one of the girls in the, yes. on the side right in the face? Yes, that was Tommy. <laughs> Tommy's bugging. He like bounces it and it hits, hits one of the models in the face. Jake, the one guy comes out with the bowling ball and holds it up in the air. Jake, what they'll do is they'll have like a therapy session. And in like one of the therapy sessions, they showed video clips of the boyfriends talking to a plant. So a woman that's planted there to hit on them and see if fucking they can get if like she's like offering her like number up like to go to like their room and shit and hook up afterwards and so the girlfriends get to watch how their guys reacted to this like if they took her phone number and it, it, it this shit's wild that sounds great oh i fucking loved it. it was on vh1 originally but yeah that's me talking about a show from 2009 <laughs> 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 Anyway, I went to the theater this week and I watched a movie that wasn't on the list for you guys. Um, it was uh, Marcel the Shell with shoes on, and uh, oh, awesome! And it's uh, a mixture of live action and uh, and uh, stop motion animation, and it's. It's following, here's the synopsis, following the end of his marriage, documentary filmmaker Dean moves into an Airbnb and discovers Marcel, a one-inch tall talking shell living in the home with his grandmother, Nana Connie, and Alan, his pet ball of lint. Inspired by Marcel's whimsicality, resourcefulness, and fascination with the world, Dean begins filming Marcel's daily activities, most of which consist of gathering resources from the backyard in order to support himself and Connie, who tends to her garden and is beginning to show signs of dementia. Marcel and Connie bond over their mutual love of 60 Minutes and Leslie Stahl. Dean uploads his first video about Marcel to YouTube, where it quickly becomes a cultural phenomenon. Marcel is both flattered and overwhelmed with his newfound popularity, lamenting that his family is not around to celebrate it with him. So what happens is there was a family that lived in there before, and when they when they they would fight. Uh, no, it was a, 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 a husband and wife, and they would fight. And one night, the fight just erupted so much that. Um, the rest of Marcel's family like disappeared after that night. So they're trying to find out like, where is the rest of his family? Cause like now it's just Marcel and his grandmother. And, um, and so it's, 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 uh, it is wild, man. It's, uh, it's a mockumentary film. It's directed by Dean Fleischer camp. It's his uh, feature directorial debut. 
and he co-wrote the screenplay with uh, Jenny Slate and Nick Paley. Uh, it's based on the series of shorts of the same name written by Slate and, the, and Fleischer Camp. And um, Slate reprises her role of Marcel in this. And um, yeah. Um, oh, there's also uh, just Nathan Fielder plays a character named Justin in the movie for a small period of time. Um, and I also want to point out that there's an actor named Peter Boners who plays the maestro. His name, Damn, more than one. His name is Peter Boners. <laughs> that kid was very popular on the playground. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, wow. That's a rough childhood right there. That is a rough childhood. It's like, guys, it's Bonners. <laughs> Bonners. <laughs> it's like that Nicolas Cage sketch on SNL where his last name is Oswipe. <laughs> <laughs> it spells out asswipe. Anyway, um, I, uh, I fucking loved this movie. This is so fucking charming. And it, it like, I, 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 the, the amount of, um, detail to like, like an actual documentary and how it feels and like, but also making it like, there's so many, like, it's so quirky and weird, but then it also feels like a documentary and it also fucking like gets you emotional and shit. I was blown away by this. It was, it was unreal how good this was. There's a scene of Marcel and it's funny, too. There's parts that are, just had me laughing out loud. I got to see this movie by myself in the theater. No one, in, no one else in there. There's a scene where Marcel is, like, you know, sending off, like, this, uh, little, this little tea candle that he has. Um, he makes, like, a little, like, a miniature hot air balloon out of a tea candle and a coffee filter and some, like, you know, twine or something and he sends it off into the sends it off and it starts flying away and it looks beautiful and both him and the documentary guy dean are watching it as it flies away and you know and he's missing his family and um this dog starts barking and marcel goes every time i do this that dog starts barking and he's like he sees something this truly elegant in the sky and this is his reaction what a sad type of idiot. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I was just, <laughs> and Marcel is just so sweet, but also on the flip side, it's Jenny Slate. So they let her work with like the sarcastic shit that she's good with. And so Marcel is also super fucking sarcastic. There's like, people are watching the YouTube videos of Marcel and falling in love with Marcel. And like this, you know, like this one girl leaves like this, you know, little YouTube comment that says something like, Oh my God, I love Marcel. Um, peace and love. And then Marcel was like, peace and love. Like, come on. Yeah. I sign. I personally sign all my stuff with war. Let the battle begin. <laughs> and I was just, I was just dying. Like it's really like the delivery on like the sarcasm and uh, Jenny Slate's lines in this are just fucking hilarious. Marcel just, just does some of the cutest fucking shit to like in order to like travel around the house and like get up in high places. Marcel will walk into like honey and then like stick on the wall and walk up the walls. They're obsessed with 60 Minutes and Leslie Stahl. And it's just, it's fucking just, it's a, it's a story about family and loved ones and, um, loss and, 
it is it is a it is a beautiful fucking movie. It's A twenty four and it is fantastic. It is the highest of Tupperwares. I loved this movie so fucking much. Could not believe it because I was not impressed with the trailer. Um, trailer did nothing for me. I was like, this looks really weird. I don't know if this is going to be something I can get into. And I watched it and I am a fan and I would love to see more Marcel. So, absolute Tupperware. Highly recommend. You cannot not watch this movie. Yeah, I nice. can't wait to fucking see this. I loved the trailer. And I, and Jenny Slade, I, I can't wait. Trailer did nothing for me. Not a thing. I was just I, like... I'm not going to lie. Trailer had me crying already. Really? Trailer did yeah. nothing for me. I must be... I must be stone cold because it did nothing. <laughs> like, I didn't... I thought, the trailer didn't work for me either, dude. Yeah, I did did jack and I, I, shit for me. Yeah, I saw it twice. And the first time I was like, well, that looks a little touching. And the second time I was like, I, I just don't know. And like with you saying that Marcel has more of a sarcastic side and stuff like that, like none of that funny stuff really came through in the trailer. So I'm definitely more interested to see it based off your review than anything the trailer did for me. Trust me, dude, it is fucking great. There's a. Part, the only part in the trailer that I did appreciate was like they showed Leslie Stahl interviewing Dean and Marcel. And she's like, you know, how long has your family been gone? And Marcel goes, the only th- I don't really know time. I just know the seasons and the leaves have fallen and then the leaves have come back and goes into like, you know, the different seasons and what Marcel has seen. And then they look at Dean and Dean's like two years. that was the only thing in the trailer that made me laugh and i laughed again when i watched the movie because i had fallen in love with marcel so yeah man fucking movie about a fucking uh stop motion shell made me tear up i was like fuck you (laughs) fuck you (laughs) fuck you my emotions are coming out over this fucking shell like it was it is. It, this is better than anything Pixar's done in like the last couple of years, in my opinion. By by far, it like fucking incredible. So yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Let's talk about Paper Girls on Prime Video. Um, I was Joe. I know you were a big fan of the Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang comic. I, I was too. I mean, I bought it off the shelf. As it was coming out, I had already fallen in love with his book Saga and, um, um, oh, his graphic novel that he'd come out, Pride of Baghdad. I was a big fan of that. So I was like, I got to pick up Paper Girls. And I fell in love with that book. I even, in the back, in the first issue, they had, you could send off to be in the Paper Girls kind of like fan club. And they'd make you an honorary paper boy or paper girl. And uh, I sent away for it, Joe, and they sent me a membership card. And then they sent me uh, every few months, they would send me like a like a little postcard with like updates on the book and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I still have those I, the little collector's items for me that I keep. But uh, I was a big fan of this comic book. Um, it's uh, it fo- the, the, the show follows four young girls who, while out delivering papers on the morning after Halloween in 1988, become unwittingly caught in a conflict between warring factions of time travelers, sending them on an adventure through time that will save the world. As they travel between our present, the past, and future, they encounter future versions of themselves and now must choose to embrace or reject their fate. 
And so I was like, I got to watch this. I can't wait to watch it. And um, I watched the first episode, and I am not going to lie to you. It is the, – the pilot episode is fucking terrible, in my opinion. I'm, gonna, I'm tossing yeah. the pilot episode. It is an absolute toss it. It was so fucking bad compared to the comic book. I was like, this is garbage. And I really didn't want to continue with it, but I did. And I watched the second episode. And I was like, wow, this is night and day difference. And I loved the second episode. And I loved the third episode even more. Uh, I just finished the sixth episode. I'm not, I've got two episodes left. It's eight episodes. But I'm through six now. And I would say toss it for the first episode. Very high tasted on the second one. And then Tupperware everything that I've seen past that. Um, even though they are working with like a very low budget. And I felt like the first episode was very like indicative of that. Like you could definitely tell the first episode, like they left a lot of things out. I felt like, because they just didn't have a budget. Um, I think they saved a lot of the budget for like that robot in the third or fourth episode. And I don't know if they've saved some of the budget, hopefully for like the last couple, but I think it's like the emotional stuff and the time travel stuff. And um, I love the girl that's playing fucking Mac. I think she is. She looks like she looks like if Edward Furlong from T2 was like a girl, but she has like the badass attitude of Jonathan Bender from The Breakfast Club. I was just like, this girl can fucking act her ass off and she's killing it in this role. She's doing the character from the comic justice. She's great. And I started to I, I at first I didn't like um, uh, KJ and then further you go into the series kj's fucking awesome um tiffany is fucking great later on um adult aaron um is great ali wong plays her and she was fucking great so i i started off hating the first episode and thinking like oh my god they fucking ruined it and now i'm just loving the series joe what did you think I had a really similar experience. I wasn't quite as down on the first episode that, as you I were, don't but care. I that first agree. episode is trash, dude. I don't care. What, <laughs> that first episode was straight garbage. Go ahead. I'm sorry, dude. It was garbage. I really, really love the music in, in this series. And, and I like all the, the actors and everything. So that's the only reason I don't I – don't, it's, it's not a complete toss-it for me on that first episode. And also – just from from where it's going after that. But I totally agree. This thing, if you judge it on the pilot alone, you're not going to probably like this series. Uh, and it does get going, dude. No, episode three, like, had me in tears multiple times. Yeah. And and I completely agree. This girl that's playing Mac is absolutely knocking it out of the park. And it, as far as the, like, comparisons to the comic book go, I feel like this is a, it's it's not like a spot-on comparison, but it's a very good like like spiritual companion to the source material. I feel like all the characters and the stuff they're going through is very similar to what happens in the book, though the uh, the order of things that happen in the book is very different. Like the with how soon they're dumping in some stuff and how uh, quickly they're rushing through other plot points. It, it's like they took the entire comic book series with all the story arcs and like 
wrote them all down on cards and put them in a, a goldfish bowl and shook it all up and then just started pulling them out and be like, let's put it in in this order. But it's working. And and like what I said with the the music earlier, I absolutely love the score and the music that they chose they chose for this. Like I just found myself really kind of like bobbing my head along with it going through and i'm through five episodes so far so i only got three left to go and yeah i'm I'm absolutely in love with this series dude best and, use of fucking glenn danzig's mother that i've heard in right? a long time man <laughs> a long the, time the whole everything with with her interacting with her brother yes. in the future yes which th- that's that's all original to this series I, I don't recall any of that no i don't either in the comic book and all this extra stuff that they are bringing into the series, it's really kind of fleshing it out because the, the, the series, when it comes down to it, it is really more about this war than, you know, and the girls are just kind of caught up in it. And I feel like the show is doing a, a much better job of illustrating kind of the, the main storyline that goes through the comic books. And um, I think I read something that they signed on for more seasons, but just it, as fast as they're going through this, I feel like it can't go much longer than three or four seasons before they've burned through all the source material. Yeah. And the kids are going to grow up. Hopefully they'll be able to pump these out oh, quicker than yeah. stranger things. So <laughs> yeah, they are going to have to film them fast. Yeah. Um, wh- what you were saying about KJ, um, I really fell in love with her character when she stole that motorcycle and it showed her, you know, zipping away from that that farm with that determined look on her face when she's going to go out and find her friend. And I was like, Oh, I love KJ so much. She's so badass. I love KJ. And here's the thing. It's like, you're dealing with a show that has girls time traveling. So they go from 1988, they travel into 2019, you know, the young girl, Aaron meets the adult version of herself. And I mean, they, they encounter other time travelers. There's two faction of time travelers. One that want to keep everything, the the in, the old they don't want to fuck with time they want to keep it the old way because they profit in the future and then there's other people that are trying to go back through time and fight against them so that everyone as like a, a society we can all benefit from the future um because it really leans towards like you know basically the rich getting richer in the future and and people are just not living like their best lives um I'm sorry. I've got a cat here tangled up. Hold on. I got to pause. All right. I'm back. Sorry. I, I, my headphones, I, my, my cat was just tangled up in the headphones and I was losing. They were going to get ready to pop out of my ears. But, um, yeah, not only are you dealing with all this time travel and bouncing around and the correction of time and, and people, you know, going around trying to kill this other faction of time travelers. But these girls are also going through things that young girls go through. There was an episode where, and I thought it was just really well done and well handled where Aaron has her period. And so none, none of the other girls had had their period. So like, she's like, they, they steal some tampons from like a convenience store. And then they're all like looking at the box, looking at the instructions and they don't know what to do. (laughs) They're reading about toxic shock and she's scared to death because, because Tiffany at one point says like, Oh yeah. Like my mom's friend, she had toxic shock and she lost her leg. And so like fucking like Aaron's like, there's no way I'm putting this thing inside me. (laughs) (laughs) And so Mac is like, don't worry, I'll go back and get you the pads. (laughs) So, I mean, and I, you know, I, I've been, I've been introduced to like the adult version of Tiffany. I think she's fucking awesome, man. I love this show now. I 
That first episode, Joe, I'm glad that you were able to salvage something out of it. It was so rushed and I couldn't connect with anyone. And it was just such a, like, it just felt like such a, um, a fucking butchered version of like what I had read from the comic book. And like, they were not throwing in things from the comic book visually because of the budget restrictions, I think. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? I'm not digging it. And then the second episode, third episode definitely turned me around. So I'm in love with the show. Now I got two episodes left and I can't wait to finish it. The, the other casting in this that I really liked that it kind of surprised me because when I first saw him come on the screen, I was kind of gritting my teeth like, oh, no, don't be too much. Jason and that's Manzucas. Jason Manzoukas as, as yeah. grandfather, yeah. which for the episode that I saw him in, I thought it was great. Like, I, I really enjoyed him and, and he even made me laugh, yeah. which is, you know, not to talk shit on Jason Manzoukas, but I mean, sometimes he can be a little a little extra yeah. <laughs> in things. And for this character, I didn't really want him to go too extra and I felt like he pulled it off just the right amount of, of silliness with it. Because I love him in The League, and I loved him in fucking Big Mouth. I mean, I love him in the comedy shit, but like for, for this, I was like, oh, fuck, he's really going to take me out of this show. And he was fine. He yep. was fine. Um, Jake, uh, Paper Girls. Yeah, I watched the first two episodes of this. I don't know. I don't, I don't think this is my thing. You make it sound like it gets better as it goes on. Um, yeah, the first episode wasn't that great. The second episode was a little bit better. Um, man, it, this show just took way too long to get to the hook for me. And then by the time it got to the hook, I just was kind of like eh, about it. Like I didn't really see all that much charisma from the four child actors. Yeah, you're um, not far I, enough in. You are definitely not far enough in. I'm sorry, man. It's it's that, it, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I thought Ali Wong made the second episode a lot better. Like her interactions with uh, younger Aaron were interesting. And then seeing them with all the technology of today's time was a little bit more interesting, but I don't know. It just felt like a lot of overused tropes and things I've seen before. And uh, yeah, I'm just not really digging this show. The the time travel in this is, in my opinion, is different. They get into um, this book and there are different folds and things that happen that this guy's been documenting. And so, um, you know, I was expecting at certain points when they, you know, go into the past and then they go into a future version, like, because they end up in 1999 later on in the series. I was thinking to myself, like, so the version of them that left in 1988, there would be no version of them in 1999. And that's not the case in the show. It's different. I mean, I think they are doing a little bit different with the time travel. And I think for me, it really was that third episode where I got hooked on the emotional stuff between uh, Mac and her brother. Um, it, it really turned me around, man. Like that fucking Danzig scene. I was just like, I love these characters now. I love these girls. I love this show. I'd be down to watch one more episode of this. Um, I do agree with Joe. I liked a lot of the music selections. I mean, they had some good LCD sound system, and that always makes me happy. Um, the music was definitely the best part of the whole thing for me. But yeah, I just wasn't vibing with any of the with any of the kids. Yeah, I'm so. I'm on board with all the kids, and it it did take me. I mean, I. I, uh, I enjoyed the second episode more, but it was not a Tupperware in, until that third episode um, for me. And, um, yeah, I've connected with all the kids. I love them. And seeing them interact with, like, the future versions of themselves, like, that's some of the best shit. I think this show is really doing a great job. So I'm, I'm on board for Paper Girls. I really hope that 
people do stick with it and enjoy it. That way, if we do get a second season, they'll up the budget on it. Because I, I, I think that that's my right now. That's my biggest problem with it is some of the budget restrictions. Joe, did you notice that too? Like it felt like they really. Yes. I was worried about seeing that robot, and I thought the robot looked great. And I think a lot of the budget went towards that <laughs> robot. So I, going up to that point, I was like, "How's it going to look when this thing starts moving around?" And yeah. it actually, shockingly, did go- look good. Yeah. It probably also helped that it was happening at night. Yeah. Um, but I would like to see the 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 old guard people though riding the the dinosaurs that like they do exactly in, in the books and but they reference it you know because yes. Larry's like they feed people to dinosaurs it's like show us the dinosaurs I know that's <laughs> I'm thinking if they do if we do see that stuff Joe they saved it for like the last couple episodes because yeah. of budgetary restrictions like they could they I, were I like could totally buy that they were like we can't do it in the first episode but we can do it in the like you know we don't have enough money to do it in the first episode um yeah i didn't like the uh, pacing of that first episode either i i thought the pacing was bad everything moved but i was just like oh my god this is just this is the i thought it was one of the worst pilots i ever seen <laughs> they could have definitely yeah, rewritten it, it and and maybe maybe stick it a little bit closer to the source material because the first issue of the comics is a, it's an insanely strong number one, which if anybody out there is interested in reading this, you can read the first issue of pretty much any image comic book for free online. So if you want to read the first issue of paper girls, go check it out. It's for, it's free. Just get on image.com and look up paper girls. Yeah. It's a fantastic book too. It's so good. I mean, it's and it's one of those ones to where if you were to get on Reddit or something like that and and poll people for the best comic book, you know, recommendations, especially when it comes to like independent publishers, Paper Girls is going to be on a lot of people's lists. It's just so good. It's it's a self-contained story. I think it went for 30 issues and uh, the, the Cliff Chang's art in it is just spectacular. And it's got very unique color work in it, too. I mean, you know, when you're looking at Paper Girls versus other books, it's definitely stands out as different i love the covers too yeah 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 and i think what was it um they all came with like poster inserts to where if you're the type of person that would be okay with you know removing the staples from your comic book and deconstructing it (laughs) you can put posters together where they all link up together for each run yeah when i sent away for the paper girls um uh membership i like made i i made a copy of that page. I didn't cut it out. There was like, there's no way I'm fucking, this is a first print, first issue, Brian K. Vaughn book. I'm not fucking it up. I know, right? Yeah, I just had digitals of it on my phone. Uh, oh, the other thing I want to bring up is in the comic, whenever the, the, the people from the future are speaking their regular language, yeah. it's in like this weird symbols type code in the text bubbles in the book, which you can get a decoder and actually translate that out to what they're saying and i liked how they kind of worked that in in a different way in the series and that this guy who lived on the farm larry who's been keeping track of all these weather events he wrote it out in his own code and so then we got tiffany kind of looking at it trying to crack the code yeah in uh in the last episode that i watched and i was like oh that kind of reminds me when i was trying to crack the code when i was you know doing one of my rereads of this this uh series yeah i i cracked it and they were all like remember to Drink your oval tea. <laughs> I was like, Little orphan Annie strikes again. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Paper Girls, Prime Video. Uh, question to our listeners. Have you ever wanted to see Ferris Bueller as a brainy, self-absorbed cunt? Let's talk about our next movie, Honor Society. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> did you guys watch this? Yes. Uh, I honestly, Oh, my God. I hated most of this movie. Let me go over it. Let me go over the synopsis. Honor is an ambitious high school senior whose sole focus is getting into an Ivy League college, assuming she can first score the coveted recommendation from her guidance counselor, Mr. Calvin. Willing to do whatever it takes, Honor concocts a Machiavellian plan to take down her top three student competitors until things take a turn when she unexpectedly falls for her biggest competition, Michael. Uh, the film fo follows Honor... Uh, played by Andrew Rice and her opponent, uh, Michael, played by Gat, uh, Gatton Matarazzo from uh, Stranger Things. I don't know if he said his fucking name right. But, um, yeah, David A. Goodman wrote the film while Oren Zegman directed it. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I listen, I, I hated most of this movie because I hated our main character so much. And it's like... I'm not one of those people that's like, you've got to have a likable character the entire time. I just hated her so fucking much throughout most of this movie. <laughs> that when, you know, that, you know, of course you're going to see characters change. By the time you get to all that fucking shit, I just hated her so much that I didn't care. <laughs> I was like, this, this girl is so evil. What she is doing, I hate what she is doing here. Um... But, uh, you know, I guess the ending did salvage it a little bit for me. And so I will give it a taste it. Um, but, man, it was a hard watch for me. I, I really didn't like what she was putting, you know, the other honor students through in order to sabotage them in order for her to get the recommendation to Harvard. And it was really hard. It was really hard what she was doing to Kennedy and, you know, the boy and then, and then, and then, you know, Michael and all this shit. I just, it was really, it was really hard. And then fucking, uh, McLovin, her teacher was fucking hitting on her the entire time. I was like, this is creepy as shit. Yes. <laughs> so, but, uh, I'll give it a taste that, uh, man, I, it, I really was going to toss this movie. I was just like, man, fuck this movie. And I guess the endings kind of saved it a little bit for me. So I guess I'm just at a standard taste it. I will never watch it again, but I'll give it a taste. It'll be nice. Uh, Joe, what did you think? I had a very similar experience with this where I, I kept having these like come to Jesus moments in the first half of this movie going, I hate this main character. There's nothing about her that's likable. Uh, she's like the things that she's doing is just despicable. The fact that she's absolutely fake around everybody. And every time she breaks the fourth wall with that stuff, it's like, it's like, is the goal of this movie to just make me like this character less and less? And I almost think that the answer to that is yes. I, I think that is really what they were going for, that they wanted you to be not fully on this character's side going through. And the way that, the, there's kind of the big turnaround and everything at the end of this movie, which you expect to happen in in movies that are like this. The way that they did it worked for me, and and I really felt like this end this movie stuck the landing when I didn't expect it to. So for me, it was a high taste. It and 
I, I was really happy with a lot of the performances. I, um, I'm usually not a huge fan of like musical type stuff, but I felt the musical scene in, in the third act was really fantastic. Um, the performances were really good. Uh, she did uh, a good job of making me not like her character. And, and I really enjoyed her as Betty Brand in the MCU. And seeing her do something different in this, being a character that was you know, so self-confident and, and I mean, down, really downright despicable, but it, it still worked for me. I don't see this as being a movie I would ever rewatch uh, just because uh, Gaden Maserato is in this and my kids are such huge fans of Stranger Things. I pitched them the idea of watching it with me and then like they didn't even make it through the trailer. <laughs> And and then once I started watching the movie, I was like, oh, thank God my kids did not watch this with me because I don't think this is one you want to watch with your kids despite yeah. it having the Stranger Things kid in it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this this I this, the, the ending of this did pleasantly surprise me enough that I did walk away with without a sour taste in my mouth. But had I shut this movie off in the, in the first act, had I just said, fuck this and walked away from it, it it had been a very different reaction so i feel like this movie does have a, a good earned ending to it she reminded me of like if you took deadpool and mixed him with uh, reese witherspoon's character from election <laughs> that's good <laughs> that's a great fucking movie i love election matthew broderick w- reese witherspoon fantastic fucking movie uh jake what do you think about uh, honor society oh yeah, this is I saw who the this oh, is on I, I don't know if I, this is on paramount plus if you're wanting to watch this one yeah, um, when I saw who the lead was, I was kind of excited because I, I really enjoyed her in Mayor of Easttown as the the daughter showband. I, I thought she was fantastic in that and one of the standout characters in that show. And so I was kind of excited to see something else she was in. But yeah, I absolutely hated this movie. Um, I agree. It's, it's a toss-it for me. The character was so unlikable. And for me, the ending didn't work because, like, I just didn't get it. I didn't see the point where this character would really turn around and change the feelings the way she did. I mean, she has to do so much extensive research to do the shitty things that she's doing. I feel like the same facts that made her turn around as a character would have been the same facts she would have found out when she was doing all her research to be shitty to all these people. So I really didn't quite get what the turn was or when or why that happened. And then, you know, at one point of the movie, I'm supposed to like this character and then feel bad for what's happening to this character. And I was more like, ha, 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 you got your just desserts. Like, I just never turned around on this character whatsoever. So the ending really fell on its face for me. Like, I, it just did not have the desired effect that the writers wanted it to have. Um, I, too, hated Christopher Mintz Blase, and all those scenes were just so cringy and so bad. And I was just worried about how far that stuff was going to go and glad it didn't go any further than it did. And, yeah, it it wasn't very funny. All the weird Ferris Bueller moments were really awkward and unnecessary. Um, Yeah, I did not enjoy this at all. Yeah, the ending wasn't like uh, for me, it wasn't as impactful as it was for Joe, but it was enough to at least make me taste it um yeah we're all over the place with this one i can see any of these outcomes that we've had watching this movie being different outcomes anybody would watch having this she was just such a fucking terrible person 
that I I even hated myself for even tasting this at the end there, Jake, because I hated her so goddamn much while watching the most of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I think honestly, I think this movie would have worked more for me if she would have just if they would have just gone whole hog into the, this is not a good person angle. Well, and then uh, and then had and then had it be, you know, Gaten whatever his last name sounds like a fucking italian car maserati i what was his name <laughs> matazarzo it's matarazzi versus maserati <laughs> it is very close to the sports car yeah <laughs> uh, anyway let's let's move on uh, that's honor society it's on paramount plus easy watch it's about 90 minutes or whatever so it's an easy watch can we take a quick break oh there he is there's my guy. There's my guy. There he is. Give me an hour and 15 minutes. And yes, sir, we can take a break for you, buddy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, buddy. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Ever wanted to try those pre-portioned, make-at-home, fresh ingredient meal kit services such as HelloFresh or Blue Apron, but the price tag is a bit out of your budget? Here's a new, well, it's a used meal kit service for you to take a bite out of. Brown Apron. Brown Apron is a meal-by-mail service that cuts the cost while also cutting the quality of the ingredients they send you. The company was started by a couple of bottom feeders surviving off the damaged, discarded, and returned items from the dumpster behind Blue Apron's order processing plant. And it quickly grew once they realized they could sell the garbage for profit on the internet. And because you're listening to this podcast today, you can enter the promo code BUGCHECK at checkout, and the Brown Apron team will give your first order a second glance to comb through it for bugs and stuff. Check out Brown Apron today. You won't be disappointed that you hadn't heard about them sooner. Bug Check promo code may only be used once and only applies to your first order. Ingredients provided may or may not make a complete meal and do not come with a recipe. Do not order from Brown Apron if you have not had a tetanus shot within the last eight years. It is not recommended to feed garbage to children under the age of 12. Brown Apron provides no freshness guarantee. All right. Hey, we are back. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, a movie that dropped in the theater this week. DC League of Super Pets. Joe, this is the movie that I saw and that after I sent you a picture of my tire that went flat. <laughs> so I was stuck out in front of this <laughs> fucking theater for like a good hour before they came out there. Oh, no. Yeah. So good times. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's what happened. Um, when the Justice League are captured by Lex Luthor, Superman's dog, Crypto, forms a team of shelter pets who were given superpowers. A hound named Ace, who becomes, a super strong, who becomes super strong. A pig named PB, who can grow to, a, to giant size. A turtle named Merton, who becomes super fast. And a squirrel named Chip, who gains electric powers. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this cast for this fucking movie is insane. Dwayne Johnson is Crypto. Kevin Hart is Ace. Kate McKinnon is Lulu. John Krasinski is Cal L. Uh, Vanessa Bear as PB, the pig. Natasha Leone as Merton, the turtle. Diego Luna as Chip, the squirrel. Uh, Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz as Keith and Mark, the, the pair of guinea pigs. Keanu Reeves as Bruce Wayne, Batman. Mark Maron as Lex Luthor. Olivia Wilde as Lois Lane. 
Jamila, Jamila Jamil as Diana Prince, Wonder Woman. Jemaine Clement as Arthur Curry. John Early as Barry Allen. David Diggs as Victor Stone Cyborg. Uh, Dasha Polanco as Jessica Cruz, Green Lantern. Keith David as Dog L, Crypto's father. Uh, <laughs> Maya Erskine as Mercy Graves. Maya Erskine from fucking Pen15, Lex Luthor's hench, henchwoman. Um, Yvette Nicole Brown as Patty, the owner of the animal shelter. Alfred Molina as Jarrell. Lena Hetty as Lara, Kal-El's biological mother. Busy Phillips as Foofy Dog. <laughs> I just, just like Foofy Dog. Was that, the, was that the little Jack Russell? Not that Jack Russell, but the little fucking, the, the dog that had the tiny feet. The Corgi? The Corgi. Yes. And then Dan Fogler played Carl, Patty's assistant. Oh, my God. That cast is insane. Jesus. Who else could even be in the movie at this point? Oh, my God. That's that's crazy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, that's a wild cast. But, um, yeah, Jake, I'll start with you. DC animated movie, League of Super Pets, DC's League of Super Pets. What did you think? Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I was not looking forward to seeing this movie at all. I'm just have not been the biggest fan of a lot of the DC fare. It looked like another silly, like DreamWorks pets movie that I just had no interest in whatsoever. And I, I found this to be an absolute blast. I, I'm going to Tupperware this movie. I, I just adore this movie. I thought I had just enough dc nostalgia in it i thought all the voice acting was so great um once again the chemistry between dwayne johnson and kevin hart was just so much fun even as cartoon characters it just oozes off the screen um i absolutely adore john krasinski superman it was nice to not i've kind of been on a hate john krasinski stance ever seen ever since seeing his turn at reed richards and just not really digging that at all and i thought he was a much better fit as a superman voice here uh the stuff with him and jarell absolutely cracked me up how they dealt with all that um kate mckinnon other than snl has really almost been annoying and everything i've seen her in like in the movies, just the overacting doesn't do it for me. And I thought it actually really, really worked here with her character and it being an animated project. And she was phenomenal as the villain. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious to hear what you guys think of this. I mean, all I thought all the voice acting was just so inspired. Um, the turtle was great. Natasha Leone just slayed that. I'd love to see more Mark Marin, Lex Luthor. If there was any way that was possible, that was absolutely great. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe how much fun I had seen this movie. It definitely had some jokes that catered towards, towards eight-year-olds that didn't have me laughing at all. But it did have a lot of stuff that really did have me cracking up. I, yeah, this was so much fun. Oh, my God. When fucking Merton the Turtle, when they would bleep him, when he would cuss, I was dying. <laughs> I was I was laughing my ass off. I was like, I can't believe I got to see this movie by myself, which was amazing. I went to a seven, wow. went to a seven o'clock show and no one was, it was seven o'clock on Thursday. No one there. Nobody brought their kids. It was just That me. makes me sad. It was, I loved no it. Kidding. It makes me sad. It's, it's, it looks like it's, uh, they're, they're expecting a $25 million Hall. Hopefully it'll do better than that. But uh, I, I also Tupperware this movie. It was fantastic. I loved it. And like, not only was it funny and the voice acting was great, but man, there was an emotional, there's an emotional moment in this that got me teary eyed with the fucking origin story of, of um, Kevin Hart's uh, ace character. And yeah, I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) 
this is really hitting me. <laughs> like, oh my God. Oh, I couldn't believe it. But it was, I thought it was super funny. I thought, yeah, I thought Kate McKinnon uh, was great in this as the evil, you know, guinea pig Lulu and, uh, you know, taking down the Justice League and then going after the other pets and her infatuation with Lex Luthor. And I thought that she was great. She annoys the fucking shit out of me in most of her shit. Like, uh, you know, yeah. po- post SNL. Um, I loved her on SNL. She was fucking hilarious. And I agree with you. She, she's been annoying as fucking a lot of shit. And she was great in this. But, um, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love this movie. It is, it is fantastic. I, I got emotional when they showed the origin story of Superman and Crypto and they started playing the, the Superman score from the 1978 film. I started getting emotional there. I was like, oh my God, this is, this movie, now it's pulling, pulling from my childhood nostalgia. Like, that's the superhero movie that I grew up with. Like, that was it, really, until 1989 when I walked into the theater and watched Batman. It was like, I'm watching, I'm watching that, that, and I guess if you want to consider the Bill Bixby Hulk. So, and I love that. (laughs) I love that, too. Oh, I did, too. It's so bad. (laughs) I love that show. Anyway. Yeah, we got Daredevil. Yeah, and Thor. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I fucking... Oh, my God, I loved... The, didn't he fight... Didn't he fight uh, a Sasquatch? And it was Andre the Giant dressed as like a as like a Bigfoot? Yes. <laughs> that's awesome. I got to YouTube that. I think they fought in a swamp. I, I can't remember 100%, Joe, but I think it was a... A swamp fight between those two. It was Andre. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, I I thought I might be on an island alone, Tupperware in this because I I just had so much fucking fun with this. And no. yeah, you're right about the emotions, man. I was that really hit me too. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. Pretty heavy stuff for the eight year olds. Really was, man. I, uh, I I tried to look for a 3D showing of this, and there are none. Sadly, um, yeah, you could tell they really intended this to be 3D with a lot of the action shots. There was a lot of we're going to spin this thing around going on that yeah. felt really that would be cool in 3D to me. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed watching like the team fights and stuff like that. They did. It was a lot of fun with, you know, I mean, just stupid shit like Ace, the, the bat hound, you know, walking and hitting his head on Wonder Woman's invisible jet multiple times. It's just like <laughs> <laughs> they had fun with it. They really had fun with this with this movie. And um Oh man, I was laughing so hard from the get go when we were seeing Crypto trying to wake Superman up and like anyone that's ever had a pet, like how can you not laugh at that I'm gonna sit my butt on your face joke to get you awake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. I, I love Joe, what did you think about this? Yeah, I, I loved this one, too. I, I saw it on Thursday uh, with my kids, and there were only two other people in the auditorium. And I think we were there at like a 440 showing. So it was early enough in the afternoon. I, I remember saying to them when we were walking out, I'm like, I can't believe that we practically had this whole auditorium to ourselves. And yeah, I had a great time with it. I, I wasn't sure if if it was just because of an experience, you know, I was going and seeing a kid's movie with my kids, and they both loved it, too. And really happy to hear that 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 yeah I'm not alone in this either that that you guys also liked this movie I was blown away by the cast it, it was like it was like they were on a mission to get a name for every single 
you know, a part for the movie. And and I thought that the plot in this moved right along really well. I thought Lulu as the 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 evil <laughs> hairless guinea pig was so funny, and her obsession with with Lex Luthor was so great. I I loved the scene where she had all the Photoshop pictures <laughs> in her phone of her and Lex together. Yeah. Um. The the part in this movie that that really tore me up and and brought me to tears was when Ace was having that heart-to-heart yeah. with Crypto. And he was explaining to him what it means to really be a dog. That, you know, when the, it, it's just to love unconditionally. And that is the absolute truth. Because a dog will at, just love you unconditionally. And the parallels in this movie where, you know, Clark shows up in Kansas and he gets found by Martha and Jonathan Kent, who are just these fantastic people. And they teach him what it means to be a great human and because crypto just grows up next to superman he's not growing up around other dogs he's never had that experience where there's going to be other dogs that are going to come in and say hey this is what it is to be a dog and so having this movie be this kind of origin story of crypto learning what it means to be a dog and then what it means to 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 need other people in your life and that it's okay to depend on other people and just a lot of beautiful messages in this movie and it was so well done so funny i I loved all the different powers i loved it when lulu uh uh, brought her all her different little henchmen in i thought that that was a really great twist uh this this is a movie i'm looking forward to watching again with my kids and and i'd imagine it's gonna do well enough to where you know they could give us a sequel in the future and i would be excited to see a, a, a sequel to this and see what else they can do yeah, hopefully it gets, you know, hopefully people get, you know, uh, have a good word of mouth and people want to see this in the theater. And, uh, you know, hopefully when it drops on HBO Max, it'll get a lot more people watching it there, too. And kids will get excited about it and we'll get sequels for this because this was a lot of fun. I, I Did you guys stick around for the two post credit scenes? Oh, yes. yeah. The, the very last one was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the last one. So, yeah, Tupperware Party for fucking DC uh, League of Super Pets. Fantastic fucking movie. Go out there and watch it. I mean, if you have kids, it's it's a must. It's a must see. So even if you don't, have, I was I, even if you don't have kids, I think you'll enjoy this if you're a fan of these characters, Matt. It was a lot. Of I fun. agree. I this, I thought this like felt the most loyal to DC Comics out of anything I've seen from DC in like the last who knows how long you know like it really just had that like silver age dc feel it just oozed it in a good way uh keanu reeves was a great batman too (laughs) absolutely (laughs) he was fantastic i mean following up you know will arnett you know i was like i don't know i love keanu reeves but i thought he did a really damn good job so i thought about will arnett too for the first couple lines i was like oh this is we've kind of seen this already with will arnett but then the comedy went in a different direction yeah like at about the halfway point and i thought he really he really owned into it yeah oh whoo trading paint on netflix (sighs) did you guys see (laughs) oh man it's a Yeah, this is a a legendary stock car racer is drawn back to the dirt track when his son, an aspiring driver, joins a rival racing team. 
Training Pain is a sport action drama film directed by Carzan Cater with a script co-written by Craig Welch and Gary Girani. It stars John Travolta, Michael Madsen, Shania Twain, and Toby Sebastian. And, uh, wow, what a fucking turd. <laughs> <laughs> they should have titled this trading taint this is (laughs) wow what (laughs) john travolta plays sam monroe a uh guy who's retired from uh fucking race car driving after past his prime past his prime (laughs) and after an accident he had driving around with his uh with his wife, and she dies. Don't they show us that fucking scene? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so he's driving around in a car, and they're, they're, they're older now. They've been married for years, got kid, got a kid and shit, and they're driving around. They're just having this, they're, they're fucking, they're driving around having a great time. It's almost like uh, you're looking at the, the people that are taking the medication in those medication commercials for <laughs> whatever the fuck they've got, and they're just living. Yeah, they're reading all the side effects. While yeah, they're, they're reading the all the time. side effects while they're, you know, canoeing and, you know, having a picnic and <laughs> eating each other's assholes or whatever the fuck they're doing in those commercials <laughs> and so they're showing two bathtubs side by side exactly <laughs> and so they're so they're out having a drive and and just loving each other and then they like teenagers they're gonna kiss while they're driving and he goes to kiss her and then loses control of the car and then fucking hits another vehicle and she fucking dies later on i think in the fucking in the movie the son is talking about when the mom dies doesn't he say it was like a rainy night and he lost control but when you watch the actual scene it's like there's no there's not a cloud in the sky and it's sunny as fuck i was like this doesn't even add up to what uh, his, the son's story uh, and what actually happened in, in the movie. Well, my fan fiction is is the real story is so embarrassing that Sam wouldn't tell Cam. Yeah. Like, you're not going to say that's how <laughs> you killed your mom to your son. I was making out with your mom, and then I lost control of the car being a dipshit, and she's dead now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Cam, it was, it was a really rainy night, and I lost control. This guy's oh, a- man, I can't believe I'm here to defend trading paint. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Hopefully not in your rating. Um, no, no. <laughs> man, this movie is so paint by numbers. And it's just it, uh, honestly. Oh, my God. It, the story is not it's not even that it's paint by numbers. It's just so goddamn dumb. It's like. <laughs> 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 it's it's the acting is atrocious it's i i love fucking michael madsen and he fucking like uh, he's the bad guy the villain he's the rival in this he's and then he uh pulls over john travolta's son over to his side because every time he races his car fucking you know it fucking blows up and shit because <laughs> dad can't afford fucking a good fucking car. And so he, sw- he switches over si- sides to the rival, and then the dad's all pissed off at his son. 
And uh, I don't know. God damn it. This movie was just absolute fucking garbage. Just uh, from from beginning to end. And uh, uh, yeah, I this is a this is the 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 biggest toss it of the year for me. Um, You know, I didn't I guess I didn't expect much from a John Travolta Netflix movie. It could have been fun, man. You tell me that it's a John Travolta, Michael Madsen racing movie. Yeah. And if I don't see anything else, I'm intrigued by that sentence. Ah, give me Cruz and Rooker and fucking Days of Thunder. Not well, fucking yeah, now. Yeah, not Travolta and Madsen on a dirt track. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What is this? <laughs> this is a toss. It. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, man, this is such a toss it. Like, what in the Hallmark movie school of acting bullshit is this? Like, I could not believe how terrible the acting was in this movie. It was so bad. And I know Travolta and Madsen are capable of so much more than that. And, like, they just do not give a shit. Cash that check and phone it in because it was so terrible. Um Shania Twain was just awful. That whole storyline was the cringiest part of this whole movie for me. Like, I never thought it was any fucking mystery that these two were in love. And then there's like this, like, we're going to cement the fact that we're in love scene near the end of the movie. That's like played as some kind of emotional climax. I'm like, what the fuck is even going on? Like, when was this even in fucking question? Um, yeah, this was so fucking dumb from beginning to end. Like every twist was fucking stupid. The scene where they go and buy the other car made no made no fucking sense whatsoever. Like the whole reason his kid left was because the car wasn't good enough to win. And then the reason the second he leaves, his dad is able to win with the shitty car. Like I, that made no sense to me whatsoever. Like, it, oh, man, this movie was fucking awful. His dad was just a better driver. Blah. blah. It, yeah, it made no sense. <laughs> yeah. It was. His, ba- his dad was just the better driver. And then, the honestly, I had to rewind it at the end because, like, when the race was won at the end, I missed it. It happened so goddamn quick. And I was probably fucking around on my phone, uh, too. And then I was like, oh, shit, it's fucking over? Fuck, how did he win? And so I had to rewind it and watch it again. And I was like, oh, wow, that was boring and stupid as fuck. You just changed the music and had him win. Okay, fuck you, movie. It was so... <laughs> Joe. It was... Dude, this movie is the epitome of hot garbage. It, it was terrible. When I first saw it on the list, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was going to be some awful Netflix show about people renovating each other's houses or something <laughs> like that. And then when I read the synopsis, I was like, it's fucking worse. I was like, this is this is a stock car racing movie with John Travolta and Shania Twain, and yeah, Shania Twain like she is she's got an amazing voice for singing and she's a hell of a country singer, but an actor she is not. And and it was like everybody else in this cast was like, we got to bring it down to her level. <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah, but it was terrible. The music choices in this movie were awful. Uh, the, the the thing you said at the end about the way the song just drops in at the end was it was it was yeah. terrible let's use that let's use so let's use that music from that last uh ford commercial there we go <laughs> all right <laughs> yeah this movie was so bad it was 
It was so bad. And the thing that's even worse about this is there's probably going to be people dotted all around the country that love it. <laughs> you know, they're going to be like, oh, oh this is fucking great, no, man. Joe. I, I think this is so bad that I think people would be embarrassed to say I, they like it. I, I beg to differ, Joe. Listen to this. Right now, I'll go over the Rotten Tomatoes score. Right now, for the critics, which, okay, it's sitting at a 0% for the critics. But the true test is with the audience. Audience, 31%. No. (laughs) And what I loved about the Rotten Tomatoes page is when I went to look at the score for this one, it says, it was the, you might also like this movie section. It... (laughs) Showed a bunch of other really low-rated movies. <laughs> they're nice, like, nice. They're like, if you like this, you might like The Lovers, which is sitting at an eight percent for the critics and nineteen percent for the audience. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're basically saying you like anything. Like, yeah, if you have this bad a taste, you might also like this. Right, you might also enjoy picking up your dog's poop and eating it. <laughs> you could be the first to like this movie. <laughs> Do you enjoy eating feces? <laughs> you might also like vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried yeah, like... earwax? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think your average super fan of like left turns over and over again is computer savvy enough to leave a Rotten Tomatoes review, though? <laughs> Oh, Joe. That's true. The, the the demographic of people that would love this movie probably don't have very good computer skills. Yeah, they still got an AOL email address, if, Joe. If that's what you were kind of saying, Joe, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I just picture them talking with their friends like, man, Shania was amazing in it. Yeah. Pick up the old ring dial phone. <laughs> yeah. They, in this movie, they said trading paint at least three times. Yeah, they did. I kept thinking of Peter Griffin and Family Guy. <laughs> they said the name of the movie. <laughs> Same. I was doing you know the, Leo, the Leo meme pointing at the TV. <laughs> I'm fixated on what Joe said about what he thought this show was going to be because of the name. Because I actually forgot what this movie was called until I looked at my notes after Brian said what it was called. And I, I was like, when were we supposed to watch a fucking reality show about, oh, it was this fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> See, trading paint, Jake, is when they ram the cars into each other and the paint goes onto the other car. Oh, I, I get it. I, I know I you do. Just, yeah. My favorite scene <laughs> of this movie, though, if you put a gun to my head and said, what was your favorite moment of this entire movie? Definitely the Stumpy origin story. Oh, I yeah. Die. I was legit laughing. I'll give the movie that. And that's fucking, isn't that, that's Kevin Dunn. I yeah. love that actor. He was <laughs> the one part in this movie that I liked. And that one, when he told that story, I was like, this is the only real actor in this fucking movie. Thank you. Did you guys watch the mid credit scene? No. I no. couldn't turn this off faster. <laughs> oh, my God. There was a mid credit scene? You guys got to hear about this. It's a birthday party, and they're all just fucking eating cake and hanging out. And that's all it was. Oh, my. What? It was so fucking dumb. I'm like, whose fucking birthday is it? <laughs> this wrap cake was expensive. We're getting some fucking footage. <laughs> <sighs> Now we're rubbing cake. No, it, mu- it must have been in Shania Twain's contract that they eat cake somewhere in the movie. <laughs> oh, man. I was unintentionally laughing at, like, 
Cam and Cam's wife and like their relationship. Like, oh my god! I didn't even like, know they had a kid until halfway through the movie, and I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. I never even saw the kid. <laughs> you just heard it crying in the background while they were arguing. Oh, was it a baby? Oh, I had no idea, Joe. Yeah, it was a baby. I didn't know if it was a fucking like, like a five year old or a fucking thirteen. I had no idea how old this fucking kid was. <laughs> I think this movie was also um, like less than ninety minutes and felt forever too. It was eighty-seven um, minutes and it felt like a goddamn eternity. Yeah, that was that was insane. Um, I did appreciate that Netflix has a category now of all movies that are under ninety minutes. I hadn't seen that until this movie was released, and there there was some good stuff in that category. <laughs> they probably heard you bitching on this show. And created it just for you. I hope I have that much pull. I that, that's some good pull there. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh my god, trading paints! <laughs> Fucking oh my god, terrible, absolute toss it, toss it party for trading paint on Netflix. Uh, Street food USA. I'm not going to talk about this one too much. Um, uh, get a taste of the most beloved bites on American streets and along the way, discover the heart, soul, and wildly diverse real people behind the food. I watched three episodes, so they go to different, uh, cities in, uh, the United States and, um, uh, go, uh, talking with different street vendors that put love behind their food and get the, you know, get their story out there. I watched Los Angeles, Portland, and New York. And uh, I like the show a lot. The thing that angers me about the show is that I probably will never eat at a lot of these places. And a lot of the food looked really fucking good. And I'm like, fuck, like that brisket. I was just like, Jesus Christ, uh, stick it in my goddamn mouth. Oh, my God. I will fillet the fuck out of that brisket. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, uh, the, the, the Portland one was interesting. I, the, the Vietnamese vegan pork belly, I still don't understand how that can taste good. Vegan pork belly. It just makes no sense to me. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll give this a, a solid taste. It. I think some of the stories were very powerful, though. Um, some of the stories were super powerful. What was the one dude who was making the carnitas? The yeah, the, in Los Angeles, the dude making the carnitas, like his story yes. about his family and the carnitas and his and his father, and it was his recipe, and he was working this fucking desk job that he didn't give a fuck about, and then he started making the carnitas, and I mean, there's a lot of love behind that, and the, the carnitas looked amazing, like I and I love carnitas, so I was like, fuck, dude, oh, I want to eat that shit, I would just want to go to L.A. just to eat those. But um, I loved that story. I loved that guy. I loved his family. I thought they, they, that they were, they were great. But, um, yeah, I'll give it a taste it overall. Um, I, th- I, I, think it's a, I think it's a good show. It just, if you haven't eaten anything, don't watch it. It'll make your stomach growl. But, uh, yeah, Joe, what would you think of Street Food USA on Netflix? I also watched the first three episodes of this. And, yeah, dude, this show made me so hungry. Uh, the the Los Angeles episode, the first one, that was my favorite of the three that yeah. I watched. And, yeah, this made me so hungry for carnitas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I love the way that, that they presented all the food. I love how each episode focuses on two or three different uh, establishments that are in that city and how they've also got – you know, food experts that are also given some of the background on it and just really, really great stories overall. It's filmed really well. 
And I, I usually have that same feeling when I watch these. I, I, it's kind of like when I watch diners, drive-ins, and dives. You know, it's it's showing all these amazing-looking foods, and it's like, well, shit, man. They, I, I wish I had the money to just go on like a culinary road trip <laughs> and and drive around to cities and sample these different things. Because man, I love food, and and that is usually my ultimate reaction when I when I watch these shows. Is it does just make me hungry, and and it, this this show has. Like it, it put carnitas in my brain like I'm a Manchurian candidate now. Like I've wanted to go and get Mexican for supper every night since I watched this show. And man, it, it looks so good. And, and the story with that family was so incredible. And I think that's why it, it's ended up being my favorite of the three that I watched is just because that story of that family was so moving with with the different things that they went through. So uh, I would highly recommend people at least check out the first episode of this show the los angeles one and um man if if i were tristan right now i'd be tracking down that <laughs> that food oh truck god yeah those carnitas yeah i i tupperware that story of that family like it's just overall i think like the show's fine um you know i would yeah I, it, I, it's kind of what i expected out of a show like this it, i for me it's a high taste it yeah yeah for me it's the taste it comes from uh just being someone that I didn't watch every episode, but I watched it when I could, you know, every like every episode that I could of like anything Anthony Bourdain was doing, you know, and I I really think that those shows and him as a host and talking with the locals and going to these places was a lot more interesting than anything that I really got out of this. So. Uh, my God, that guy! Talk about somebody that had access to going anywhere in the world to, you know, eat food. Yeah, very. I don't know if you guys have seen the documentary. Oh, I love uh, well, I didn't know if you've seen the documentary that came out. It was theatrically released. I, I reviewed it on the show, and then uh, was that I, the one where they used like AI to do his voice? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have not seen that one yet. It's on HBO Max. So you can watch it. You can watch it there. I'm drinking. Okay, nice. I cracked open a can. I, I went to. I, I went to, to after the movie um, that we're going to talk about here in a moment. I bought a Coca Cola Zero, and it's in a white limited edition artist, the artist marshmallows limited edition can. And I just, oh the strawberry watermelon. One. I didn't know it was strawberry watermelon, Jake. I th- I just thought it was. Just, <laughs> I just thought it was going to be a a coca-cola in this limited edition can and i tasted it and i was like this is fruity it's watermelon strawberry flavored and it's really fucking good it is really fucking good i wasn't expecting it to be as strong watermelon as it was yeah so if you see this white can with a marshmallow man on the front with coca-cola and you like those flavors pick it up it's pretty good one of the one of the best zero flavors i've ever had in my life honestly yeah that sounds really good um uh, the the other one was in in episode three, uh-huh. uh, Chef Tammy in New York. Yeah. If I were one of the New York Army members, if you're close to Harlem, go track that down too. Yeah, because those those fried uh, macaroni and cheese balls that she was doing looked fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, you know what I had? And she just seems so cool too. Like it, it was like if I lived in that neighborhood, I'd want to go just to talk to her every day. <laughs> yeah, she was really she was really nice. You could tell that she was. Uh, really nice person you know what i had for the first time i have like i've been on this health kick for months and there's a lot of foods that i'm not eating now 
but um, what I had for the first time last week that I hadn't had in like over six months, I had, um, I bought ice cream bars, but it's Greek yogurt ice cream bars from Yasso. Oh my God. I bought the chocolate chip cookie dough. I hadn't had ice cream and it's summer and I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to buy some of these. They're Greek yogurt ice cream bars. Oh my God. It's so good. If you haven't had ice cream in fucking months and you have that in your mouth, you're just like, oh, it was good. <laughs> yeah, those Yasso bars are fucking delicious. They are delicious. I couldn't believe How it. How many calories are they per bar? I think it's like 90. Holy shit. I think yeah, it's, they're all, yeah. they're all made with Greek yogurt too. So it, they're pretty fucking delicious. I feel like the box said like the whole box was like just a little over 400 calories and they're really low in sugar. And it's Greek yogurt ice cream, so it's, like, probiotic and healthier for you and shit. And they taste really fucking good, Joe. It's really good shit, man. So I didn't feel yeah. like I was doing anything wrong this week, so. I'd love to have a healthy option in the freezer because, you know, with the kids, we've always got ice cream of some sort in there. And so it's, it's like, oh, it's really easy for me to make a bad decision. <laughs> oh, man, mm. the mint chocolate chip ones are fucking delicious, too. They got um, ice cream sandwiches, too. And I haven't had an ice cream sandwich, and I couldn't tell you how long. It's been over a year. I was like, fuck, dude. Maybe I'll pick up the ice cream sandwiches in the future. But, man, so good. Yeah, Jake, what would you think of this show, uh, Street Food USA? I watched the first two episodes. I also concur that the first episode was the better of the two. Um, Yeah, this show made me so fucking hungry. There were so many things that... I wanted to eat after watching this show. I thought it was a real shame that there wasn't a Chicago or St. Louis episode so I could potentially actually try some of the things that were featured in the show. I, you know, I almost hope there is a second season and we get one of those two cities. I, I would love to see that. But, um, man, the uh, Filipino place with the meat skewers, uh, dollar hits, yeah. where everything was a buck and you got to stand outside and fucking cook it yourself and shit. Oh, I wanted to eat that so bad. And uh, I've never seen a hot dog cooked like they cooked it in that episode as well. God, I, I forget the name of the, the hot dog place. But the way they, like, put the forks in every little section of it and just cooked it through and throughout. Oh, man, I, I've never seen a hot dog I wanted to eat more than the one I saw on this show. So, yeah, this is a really fun show. This is something I could easily see throwing on while I was doing something else, like playing a tap phone game or just goofing around. Uh, this is perfect TV for that. Or especially when you're eating, like this would be a great thing to put on because then you know you won't be thinking about food if you're having your like scheduled dinner or lunch while watching this. Would you rate it? Uh, high taste it. High taste it. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, what, what there are places apparently – you know, I watched a, a food. Sh- Did you ever watch um, Man versus Food? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Adam Richman, I believe that was his name, the host of that show, went to Springfield, Illinois, and visited three places. I think he went to a chili place, and then I know he went to a place that serves horseshoes. If you're not familiar with horseshoes, just Google it. I don't have time to fucking talk about it's fuck it's it's like it's bread it's like toast and then they put french fries on top of it and then they smother it in cheese and meat and shit that's a fucking horseshoe anyway but uh, he went to cozy's which is basically uh, they, they claim to be the place that invented corn dogs oh Co- yeah i really want to go there 
Yeah, it's Cozy Dog in Springfield. I've driven past it many times. I've just never been like in a mood for a corn dog when I drive by it. So <laughs> corn dog is corn dog for me is like fair food, you know. And now that I'm older, it's like I'm not like I just don't have the stomach for fried fair food anymore. And so I just don't have a craving for fair food when I'm like driving around and I want something of like substance to eat to to, to get full <laughs> corn dogs are like one of my all-time favorite fucking foods i maybe my top fried food well they, <laughs> that's geez. incredible yeah, that's yeah. wild oh man brian and the guys ribbed me so much the couple times we went to six flags how i, I was on an endless pursuit for a corn dog oh yeah <laughs> yeah i'm the I, i'm the guy with the turkey leg if i can get a turkey leg i used to get oh, the turkey yeah. legs i went to walmart years ago i might have even told this story before i went to a walmart years ago and there was a guy shopping with his girlfriend or wife and the whole time he's behind her as she's pushing the cart he's gnawing down on this gigantic <laughs> turkey leg <laughs> and I know for a goddamn fact they don't sell cooked turkey legs at Walmart. So this guy, he fucking is like Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with his bag of fucking spaghetti <laughs> eating it in the movie theater. This guy brings his fucking gigantic turkey leg like he's Friar fucking Tuck in Robin Hood and he's eating it. it throughout the fucking store. I could not believe it. This is before like cell phones had like the cameras on them and shit. I would have recorded this shit. It was wild. Classic people of Walmart content. It was wild. And here he is, this guy like opening opening up the freezer bed, looking inside, and the, the whole time he's holding this greasy goddamn turkey leg. <laughs> no, that's a very messy thing to eat while you're shopping at Walmart. Yep. It's so gross. <laughs> it was huge. It looked like Babe Ruth holding a baseball bat. It was gigantic too. It was a gigantic turkey leg. They're big. Can you imagine how I would react if I was at the store at work and someone came in eating a giant fucking turkey leg. I, I can't even. I don't even know what I would do. He looked like Captain Caveman with a club. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just picturing the poor employee that's going along facing the shelves and then just finds that gnawed bone just sitting in between boxes of rice aroni. Yeah, he probably hit it behind some fucking Oreos <laughs> or some shit. It's still there to this day. Oh my god. Unbelievable. Unfucking believable. Green Lantern, beware my power. This is a DC animated film that dropped this week on uh, VOD. And, uh,. In Green Lantern, Beware My Power, recently discharged Marine sniper John Stewart is at a crossroads in his life, one which is only complicated by receiving an extraterrestrial ring which grants him the powers of the Green Lantern of Earth. Unfortunately, the ring doesn't come with instructions, but it does come with baggage, like a horde of interplanetary killers bent on eliminating every Green Lantern in the universe now with the aid of the light-hearted Green Arrow, Adam Strange, and Hawk Girl, this reluctant soldier must journey into the heart of a galactic Ron Thanagar war and somehow succeed where all other Green Lanterns have failed. And, uh, yeah, I got the voice cast here of Aldous Hodge uh, as uh, Jon Stewart, uh, Jimmy Simpson as uh, Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, um, Brian Bloom as Adam Strange, Nolan North as Hal Jordan. I... 
I love Aldous Hodge, but my God, this guy, as far as like voice acting for a cartoon, I thought he was terrible. I thought he was terrible. Like some of the lines that he that he delivered were really bad. Like, and I think Aldous Hodge is great, but man, I thought he was pretty bad in this. And I thought that this movie was kind of a stupid origin story for John Stewart. Like, it's like we see him. You know, at the beginning as like a marine sniper and then <clears throat> story moves along and uh, next thing you know, it's like he's, you know, he gets, he comes across this dead alien that in, in the ring, chooses him <clears throat> and um, he's hanging, you know, going through, going through space and, and meets Hawk Girl and he's, kind of like unfazed by all this cosmic shit it's just like he's just thrown into this world like at first he's wanting to give up the ring and not wanting to do this and but he seems like really unfazed by a lot of the things that are going on in this story and i was like this this should not have been an origin story for john stewart this should have been like we've got an established lantern here we've got all this 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 war between uh the ron and the thanagar going on and you know, all the other lanterns have been killed. It just felt like they were blending two things here that didn't really work for me. Um, I will. I, I. I didn't really. I love Jimmy Simpson as Green Arrow. I thought he was fantastic, though. Um, but I didn't really like this all that much. I'm going to give it a low taste it, and I'll never watch it again. I think this is a big miss for me. Um, Jake, what did you think? I am also at a low taste. It. it it was a very big miss for me. Um, I agree with a lot of the stuff you said. Uh, the only thing keeping it from being a toss it was I think the animation was very nice. It has those really thick black lines that I like a lot in you know hand drawn animation like this. And I thought they pulled off the animation very very well. But yeah, they tried to cram way too much into this ninety minute movie. It's like they tried to do an homage to like five different Green Lantern stories all in the span of 90 minutes and none of it ends up working. Um, I thought this movie had weird like morals that it was pushing. It was like Stuart was like in the Afghanistan war. He has kind of PTSD a little bit, but it's like a killing is bad narrative going on until the end where it's like, I guess killing is okay when you have to, like it didn't even follow through with like its own lessons with, which I thought was really weird. Um, I dug maybe like a middle section of this movie. Like when it's just a pure investigation into what's going on with Hal Jordan and what happened to the guardians, there's like a nice little 15 minute stretch where it's him and green arrow that I enjoyed a little bit more than the rest of this movie. But the beginning, the end was all just crap. Uh, the voice acting was yes, very terrible. Like the dialogue was the opposite of snappy. It, I, I, the voice acting wasn't good, but man, I don't think they had anything to fucking work with because, like, the dialogue was devoid of life. It was a fucking flatliner and dying on the table. Like, I don't need movies to be, like, wisecracking, like Taika Waititi movies all the time, but this movie, the dialogue was just void of any emotion whatsoever. I, I felt sorry for the voice actors. Yeah, I, I thought Jimmy Simpson did... With what he had to work with, I thought he did the best, though. I thought uh, Green Arrow was was better than anybody else, honestly. Joe, what did you think? 
Yeah, this was a taste it for me. I was I was wanting it to be a lot better than it was. Uh, I I was kind of happy with getting a John Stewart origin story, but I wasn't the happiest with the story they gave us. Like, uh, I'm I'm a I love John Stewart as a Green Lantern. I'm a I'm a real sucker for those original Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, and he was such a great character in that. To then see him in this was. By comparison, a, a real letdown. But I liked the animation style. I liked the way they animated all the the projections from the ring. The way that they animated like the the raw stream of power coming out of the ring leading up to the projection worked really nicely too. I liked all the characters in this. I just didn't. I didn't like really what they were given to do. Uh, whenever you can pair up Hawk Girl. With, with Jon Stewart, I love that dynamic. That probably also goes back to those original Justice League cartoons where they had a great dynamic between the two of them. I'm a big fan of Oliver Queen, and so I was happy to see him in this movie. Uh, just overall, I, I just it, it, when I was done watching this movie, it just didn't live up to my expectations because I am a big fan of Green Lantern. I'm a big fan of the DC animated works, and so... I even went into this thinking, all right, it's going to be a DC animated movie. This is this is probably going to knock my socks off. And and so maybe I went in with too high expectations, but this movie just missed the mark on a, a lot of things, unfortunately. Yeah. Th- like, how much is the rental on this one now? Is it 20 bucks? Yeah, you can only buy. So it's it's 20 bucks. 20 in another yeah. week, I think you'll be able to pay like whatever, four ninety nine for it. Yeah. But, um, Wait for it. Wait for it to drop on HBO Max because I I don't think this is deserving of uh, your hard-earned money to, to buy this one on digital right now. It's a shame, too, because they've done four or five Green Lantern animated DC movies. And I was excited to see Stewart get his first go. It's always been one of the two other more popular characters. And uh, yeah, it's a shame this is the result of that. God damn it. Uh, I, you know what else sucks is like no uh, uh, Warner Brothers at San Diego Comic Con not showing up with anything, any Green Lantern Corps news. <laughs> is yeah, that happening? Yeah, yeah. That's are, true as well. Are we still getting so- that show? Go ahead, Jake. Sorry. I don't know. We've heard. I was going to say that the ending of this movie really was a head scratcher, too. Like, it's super open ended. And it's like, no, I don't want 90 more minutes of this. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is rough. This is a rough one. Um, yeah. Uh, low taste it for me. Um, but uh, Joe, you and I went to the theater this week for another movie. And that movie uh, is Vengeance. And uh, it's about a podcaster from New York City attempts to solve the murder of his girlfriend. And I'm going to put that girlfriend in quotations because I don't think, yeah, girlfriend. And travels down south to investigate the circumstances of her death and discover what happened to her. Uh, So he goes to Texas. She's from Texas. Uh, It's a dark comedy film written and directed by B.J. Novak in his directorial debut. It stars Novak. Uh, Boyd Holbrook, Dove Cameron, Issa Rae, and Ashton Kutcher. Jason Blum is a producer under his Blumhouse Productions banner on this one. And um, Joe, like I, I didn't know what to expect from this movie. I, and I don't know what you thought of it. But, um, you know, I want to I want to talk about it a little bit and, and, and you know, kind of 
but I loved it. It's a Tupperware. I fucking loved this movie. <laughs> I I thought it was well written, well directed. Like B.J. Novak kind of like blew me away in this movie of of how sharp the writing was, how his directorial style is great, and he's like doing it all here. He wrote, directed, and starred in this like triple threat, and he fucking killed it in everything. And I think like. The thing I love about him is I feel like everybody had a great time making this movie and he brought the best out of his actors. Like a lot of people, when you talk about Boyd Holbrook, will bring up, you know, the terrible Predator movie that he was in and some of the other stuff he was in that they didn't like. And I'm just like, well, I really liked him in Logan. I thought he was great in Logan and I see a lot of potential out of Boyd Holbrook. And this is another movie I think a lot of people are going to sleep on and they're going to miss out on what I think is a fantastic Boyd Holbrook performance. He was fucking great in this movie. Issa Rae is great in this movie. And you know who blew my fucking dick off in this fucking movie? Ashton Kutcher was so goddamn good in this movie. He was so fucking good i I can't believe i'm saying this it's not that i think ashton kutcher's a bad actor i just didn't know he could go to this fucking level from like that 70s show and that fucking swimming movie he made with costner and then you know doing the ranch and like the two and a half men you know short stint or whatever the fuck he fucking was great in this movie like and I love this family in Texas that we get to meet. I want you to kind of tell people about the story, Joe, after you rate it here. Because I'm curious about your rating because I don't know what you thought. Yeah, I went into this only knowing that it was a, a, a fairly small, you know, budget film. It was it was I'm not that familiar with BJ Novak. I, I never watched The Office. I didn't watch a trailer for this going in. I was like, it's just on the list. I know it's called Vengeance. I've read the summary, and that's it. I'm just going to go into it like this. I know he did some episodes maybe of Community and maybe another one of these shows. And then he was supposed to be – they were supposed to set him up as a bigger player for Amazing Spider-Man 3 had that gotten made. He he played Alistair Smythe in Amazing Spider-Man yeah. 2, and he was supposed to have a bigger role going into Part 3 – of course, we know that that never happened. But yeah, go ahead, Joe. Oh, he was in Glorious Bastards. Bastards as he, well. Okay. Yeah, I was just flipping through his filmography here, and so I'm like, that's probably what I recognize. Yeah, him yeah. Was in Glorious Bastards. Um, dude, this movie was an absolute Tupperware. It, it blew me away. I couldn't believe how good it was on every level. I loved how how self aware the movie was in the fact that he's he's putting together this podcast series that's examining what's going on in texas while at the same time the movie's delving into these themes also and so in a way it's it's very self-aware and it it's it it works in just the absolute best way in do you're not kidding about ashton kutcher this is the best thing i've ever seen him in he practically disappeared into this character and and it was so good the way that this character that he plays is first portrayed that first scene you see him in like I don't know about you, Brian, but it immediately endeared me to his character where where I'm just like, oh, I really like this guy. This is he's unlike any other character that the our main character, Ben, has run into down in Texas so far and, and just seems to have a, a very different view on on the whole situation and everything down there. Uh, the, the way that this works out, that that 
this guy who he has no interest in in settling down and the movie actually starts with a conversation between him and a friend where they're they're talking about the benefits of playing the field versus settling down and you know in, in an attitude very much of we're never going to settle down i think his friend even says you know sometimes i think about you know settling down with maybe just two, like three or four of them and it's like oh come on <laughs> yeah he's got like he's talking to six and he's talking about yeah maybe i'll settle down with two or three you know yeah. like okay <laughs> So it's like these guys are clearly not boyfriend material. And then this this girl dies and, and her brother, played by Boyd Holbrook, calls Ben up and it just in tears and distraught saying, you know, oh, um, Abby died. I'll, I'm going to pick you up at the airport. Basically, like not taking the hint that, that Ben was not her boyfriend. <laughs> and, and so then he ends up down there kind of just – going through with it and then when he's down there he has this idea of i can turn this whole thing into a podcast series and you know exploit this situation for my own gain and he sees the whole family as like characters because yes you know you know they're from texas and they're different than the people that he's used to in new york and they're very uh uh outspoken and just uh, different, and he's like, okay, he's going to exploit them because he sees them as kind of like silly characters, and all of this is just kind of, you know, blown way out of proportion. That and oh my, yeah, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. No, he, it, he's just such a a smug, you know, self centered person that he doesn't see these. He doesn't see this family as people. Yeah, you know, he's he, he is just purely viewing them as just characters, and he's so like he's already a successful writer. He he writes for the New Yorker. They they mention early on that you know he's got his blue check mark on Twitter, but but he wants to get his voice out there. He wants to be a, he wants to to have like a smash podcast, and so he's working with this kind of hot producer that he's friends with, played by Issa Rae, and. He's, you know, he's constantly pitching her ideas that she's not into. And so then when he's down in Texas, he pitches her this idea for this new show. And she's like, yeah, I'm totally into it. And so then it turns into I, I love that her brother is like, there's there's no way that she died of a drug overdose. You know, she doesn't even take Advil. This was absolutely a murder. And, and the brother just seems like such a character that he's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stick with you and we're going to get this figured out. And I'm going to record all of it to put it out there so that everybody can hear the story. And so the family's all very excited about it. And they immediately welcome him in with open arms. And there's lots of really great, there's, there's just great comedy throughout this entire uh, the, movie. The Whataburger stuff was hilarious. <laughs> the Whataburger scene was so fantastic when he's trying to figure out what is the obsession with this. And he's like, okay, there's, there's, there's all these restaurants in a row in Whataburger. Why are you choosing Whataburger? Cause it's right there. Cause it's right there. <laughs> they have everything and it's right there it's you got to watch the movie you'll, you'll it's it's just so well done oh my god it, it, the the writing in this movie was very very smart all the performances were amazing it the, it really nails the landing and for something that you know is it's kind of a murder mystery thriller as well as being a dark comedy they really stick the landing yes satisfying on, on the ending fuck. Of this. and it's very satisfying uh I, I don't want to say anything. I could go on and on and, and and definitely talk way more about the third act of this movie, but I'm not going to. All I'm going to say is if this is playing in a theater around you, go see it. Go see it on a big screen. Yeah. Uh, if, if you feel you have to wait for it for streaming, 
fine. Do so, but just don't sleep on this movie. Don't look at this and go, oh, this is just that guy from The Office. I, it, this is a really talented guy, and we, I think he's going to have a bright future in front of him, both with writing and directing mm-hmm. and, and acting, too. Mm-hmm. Like you said, this guy is a genuine triple threat. This yeah. is for a directorial writing debut. Dude, way to knock it out of the park. This I, is this is a spectacular movie. I'm absolutely in love with this movie. I'm buying this physical copy. <laughs> I'm I'm in love with this movie. This is such a fantastic fucking movie. I I can't believe how much I fell in love with this family as I'm watching it and and it's just oh my god. He he brings out the best in all these actors. Like I I I think people have been sleeping on Boyd Holbrook for a long time. I think this guy's got so much potential and the performance that he put on in this is incredible. And the performance that he pulled out of fucking Ashton Kutcher just fucking floored me, Joe. I couldn't believe it. I, I, I mean the, the first time that first scene that he has with him, he goes and talks to him in the recording studio. It just, it blew my mind. And then, (laughs) And then, you know, the next time he talks to him, too, maybe not the next time, but, you know, the, that, yeah, I, I'm not going to say anymore. It's so good. It's co- <laughs> just, it's so good. That was the first thing I said to my wife when I got home from seeing it earlier was, yeah. as soon as this is out and, and you can watch this at home, you have got to watch this. This is right up your alley. And it was so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's in the theater. It's called Vengeance. And I uh, also want to point out that uh, our friend Connor over at Cinefied.com has a movie review for this one, as well as an interview. They got to talk to uh, B.J. Novak and Boyd Holbrook about this movie. So you'll be able to go, just go to Cinefied.com and you can read his movie review as well as uh, it's not actually it's not Connor's. It's one of his writers. And then also uh, the interview that they had with uh, B.J. Novak and Boyd Holbrook. And I'm telling you, guys, don't sleep on this fucking movie. You have to watch Vengeance. It is. This is one of the best movies I've seen all year, Joe, because it's just so I mean, it's so memorable. I I just I absolutely loved this movie. So good. And from just every character that you encounter, even like, you know, they talk about Mike and Dan, the two police officers, the entire movie, and then you get to meet them and it's just like, "Oh my god. Okay, now we're meeting Mike and Dan. Everything's making sense about what everything everything that they've said about these guys is starting to click and make sense." <laughs> I'm really excited to see this now. I, I love BJ Novak, and um, yeah, he's a great writer. I'm, I'm glad he's having such a success with this first directorial debut as well. Hopefully, man. Hopefully, people are coming out to see this one, man. Hopefully, don't sleep on it because it is fantastic. So, absolute fucking Tupperware for me and Joe. Um, yeah, it sounded like one of these guys needed to go to the Tool Academy, though. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Both of those guys at the beat. Yeah, Ben and his friend, absolute Tool Academy candidates. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Vengeance. Oh my god, I, Joe. I'm like tempted to go see it in the theater again, dude. I'm telling you, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you, dude. I I would absolutely go and see this again. It, it's that good. It's really good. Um, yeah, he made a special movie. It's really fucking good. Sticks the landing. Um. Let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Got a question for you. And I, you know what? I, this was like a last minute addition to the news segment. I should have asked you guys before. 
Have either of you watched the new Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves trailer? Yeah. Oh, I have not. Joe, what did you think about the trailer? I thought it looked really exciting. Uh, the use of the Led Zeppelin song in it gave me strong Ragnarok vibes. I, I liked the kind of the how the the plot, at least as far as it puts it in the the trailer, that it's like a gang of thieves that they stole something for the wrong person. It's going to result in something really bad, and so they got to go and steal it back. Uh, I loved a lot of the effects that they were showing. That my favorite scene, I think, in the trailer was when I think it's maybe a magic user going through a portal where it's like it's like almost like they're somersaulting into the ground and then they're coming out somewhere else. I thought that that effect was really, really great. Uh, uh, who's the female lead in this? Is it Michelle Rodriguez? Yeah, she's playing like the barbarian. Yeah, she looked great in that. It looked like she even put on some more muscle for it. Chris Pine, uh, Chris Pine looks like he's going to be really charming in it. I wonder how it's going to go with him playing a bard. <laughs> um, uh, I, I thought it looked like a lot of fun. It, it definitely looks a hell of a lot better than the last Dungeons and Dragons movie <laughs> I watched. <laughs> with Marlon Wayans? Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> funny thing is, I actually, I have heard they actually show up in this movie. Oh no. no! No, and I hear it's <laughs> I hear it's really good. So li- okay, yeah. Let me, Joe. I thought the trailer looked like it looked very fun to me, and it's from uh, the Game Night guys, Jonathan Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. That has me super excited because I loved what they did in Game Night, and I I'm thinking we might have a hit on our hands here because um, the reaction that I heard from the trailers that people, you know, people liked it. Some people didn't like it, but I heard that, um, there was footage released at San Diego comic con and screen rant. Uh, they had an article about the, it was the footage description. And I wanted to read this because these scenes, like they sound like they're super fun. Um, screen rant was present during the dungeons and dragons panel at San Diego comic con 2022 and had a description of the footage from the film that premiered during the event. The clips began with a scene showing the main group on a quest to find a helmet to aid them. Smith's character uses his power to reanimate the dead and ask them up to five questions. So basically you've got like a necromancer character in the party that can reanimate these dead bodies that were involved in this battle. And then he gets to ask them up to five questions before they drop dead again. Um, the scene has a comic bent as Pine's constant queries of whether or not something counts as a question cause the first corpse to die before they can get any information out of it. <laughs> so, so he'll, he'll say something like I heard, like he'll say something like, oh, like is is that a question and they'll answer like yes and then like that one dies or whatever again <laughs> and so then they got to dig up another corpse i hear like by the end of this thing you just see a bunch of like dugout grains <laughs> um they they then continue to talk to more corpses who have been killed in absurd ways before learning the whereabouts of the helmet including one who slipped and hit its head in the bathtub and I heard, like, that scene played off really well for the crowd. They fucking were laughing and were loving it. The second scene that debuted during the panel was an action scene. Grant's character, who is most likely an evil ruler of some distinction, is running a gladiator-style arena game where the main group and a rival group must compete to get through a giant maze. I hear the rival group 
is the Dungeons and Dragons cast from the 2000 film. <laughs> in the process, they and I think that's fun. In the process, they are being hunted by a leopard-like creature with shoulders that look like Venus flytraps. And at one point, Lilith's character gets her hand caught in a gelatinous cube. The maze contains various weapons, and a dwarf picks up a ball and chain to attempt to do battle with the panther, only to realize too late that he is trying to strike an an illusory copy of the beast. The clip ends with Pine being cornered. I hear that scene went off like huge with the crowd because like that panther slash Venus flytrap creature is something straight out of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, a character that they love, and so... I heard that both scenes went off great uh, with the fans that got to see this. I'm, and with Jonathan Francis Daly and um, uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein being involved in this, I'm kind of excited to see this when it comes out, I think, in March of next year. Yeah, hearing who the writers are, that, that gets me excited, too. They're obviously not going to take it so seriously and, and make another stuffy, unfunny Dungeons & Dragons movie. So, yeah, I was watching the trailer while you were talking, too. The effects look really good. It's not like I'm snickering at the effects in any way whatsoever. Cast looks great. Yeah, th- this could be a giant hit. I think that name still holds value, too. I can see a lot of you know dads taking their sons to see this movie just based on the title alone. Yeah, it's been 20-plus years since that stinker, so yeah, we'll see what happens with this. I'm going to be seeing it, and we'll definitely review it on the show. I, I, I love John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Game Night was – that was a movie. I remember seeing that. It was like – I saw it twice in the theater – and this was after I tore my Achilles heel years ago, and I was really down and depressed. And that movie, like, took me out of that depression for a while. Just made me feel really good seeing it, so I went back and saw it again. So I absolutely love that movie, and I'm hoping that they can make us all laugh and feel good walking out of Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Um, news from Dark Horizons, MGM is reportedly developing a Drago spinoff of the Rocky and Creed franchise with Robert Lawton having hired to pen the script. Lawton penned the uh, spec script becoming Rocky about the making of the first film back in 1976, which impressed MGM executives. While that project isn't moving forward, they have signed Lawson up for this. The film will build out a backstory about Russian boxer Ivan Drago, played by Dolph Lundgren's uh, uh, Dolph Lundgren in 1985's Rocky IV and again in 2018's Creed II. It's unclear if Lundgren or Florian Montenau, who portrayed Ivan's son Victor, will reprise their roles in the spinoff. Plot specifics are under wraps. Um, Not a lot to go on there. It's just they are really building a Rocky universe, aren't they? Like, aren't we still getting the Rocky TV show? Uh, showing the events, you know, of, I mean, that was a thing. I remember going to see Rocky IV, uh, the, the Stallone cut. And before that they had kind of like a, I think they had, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, is it named, uh, that TCM guy, Ben Mankiewicz talking, interviewing Stallone. And he was, you know, still talking about that, you know, prequel Rocky series, and so, I mean, that still seems to be possibly a thing coming out. And then, uh, you know, now with uh, now with a, a Drago spinoff. Did, did you guys see uh, real quick? Did you guys see that 
Stallone was recently, like, I think it was on Twitter or, or Instagram or something like that, and, and kind of complaining about how he has no rights to the Rocky franchise to leave his kids. And I did, I did. He, you could tell he was <clears throat> super upset just by the verbiage he used on Instagram. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing of Rocky, and that's his baby, and he has no, no rights. And so, like the the guy that owns it now, he's going to leave everything to his kids. And he, you know, Sylvester Stallone, with all the blood, sweat, and tears that he put into those fucking movies, has nothing to leave his kids. And you can say like, oh, this guy, he's loaded, whatever, blah blah blah. Like seriously, like this is what made him, and 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 he made Rocky. And uh, yeah, for all the fame and fortune that he has. It is kind of fucked up that he doesn't have anything. Right? As far as, like, rights or an ownership and to that character. And I feel like that's another reason he's not coming back and doing Creed 3. It's, like, it's getting to that point where it's, like, just pissing him off. <laughs> yeah, he seems really upset. Like, he found out the news at the same time everyone else did. Um, he calls Erwin Winkler an insatiable, incredibly untalented family exploiting and beating another wonderful character into the ground. Like, those are Stallone's exact words. Like, woof, this guy is not happy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. yeah it never sits right with me when artists get screwed out of out of that. Um, I remember one of, the, one of the instances of that was Michael Jackson owning, like, a very large portion of the Beatles catalog and, you know, supposedly being friends with Paul McCartney and refusing to sell Paul McCartney's songs back to him. And, like, that shit never sat well with me, where it's like, hey, if this artist is alive and they have the money to buy the rights back to it and somebody's just like, mm, I know it's yours, but I'm just choosing not to sell it back to you, then that person's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dra- Do we need a Drago spinoff? No. No. <laughs> I guess we answered that question, didn't we, gentlemen? Yeah, I mean, I just don't know what there is to say. Like, I, man, I, I little goes a long way with that character. I, it's an iconic character, but I think more is bad. Yeah, but it, it, is it a main character or is his progeny a main character? It, it just seems like Creed was the logical, you know, and, and successful one. At least I think the first one was way more successful than the second one, right? Well, I mean... If- I don't know about the box office numbers. They're still making a Creed 3, so it had to have been somewhat successful. But Ryan Coogler didn't come back and direct that one. And now with the third one, Michael B. Jordan is directing this one himself. I didn't think that the boxing choreography in the second Creed was as good as like in the first. Uh, and I, I didn't really... You know, it it was interesting to see, you know, what Drago had gone through going back, you know, to the Soviet Union after he lost and what he had to put up with. And and then now his son is like, you know, going to try to get, you know, get some glory here. Uh, And um, but it just didn't work for me. I wasn't the biggest fan of Creed 2. And I don't know if that movie did enough for me to care about a, a Drago solo project here and they don't even know if it's going to be like Lundgren returning or if the actor playing his son is returning in this or if it's going to be a completely separate thing I don't know I I think it's a little too much they're building up the Rocky universe and yeah they're just kind of whoring it out and 
it's not as special as it was. I, I do want to see another Creed movie. I want to see what Michael B. Jordan brings to it again, and I want to see what direction they take the character in. I've always thought it would be interesting to see Creed versus Creed, him fighting one of the other, you know, Creed boys. But, man, like, the timeline, they're much older than him, so, like, way past their prime. I don't know how they're going to work this out and who he's going to be fighting in that, but I don't know. I don't need a Drago fucking movie or whatever. <laughs> so Creed 3 is going to uh, come out in March of next year, it looks like. Oh, wow. That'll yeah. be here before we know it. Yeah, it was actually delayed. I think it was going to come out sooner. Uh, so it's already in the can, huh? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think Tessa Thompson should come back for that one, too. Um, let's jump into Marvel news. Marvel news. Uh, yeah, one of the rumors that's picking up steam that I'm really liking is, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking about how, you know, General Ross might be the guy who was behind, like, the Thunderbolts. And maybe that was the case at one time. You know, maybe Ross had Val, you know, working for him. But now that, you know, William Hurt has passed away, I'm hearing, and now that they've got Vincent D'Onofrio playing the Kingpin... And we hear the rumors of him maybe, you know, running for mayor and gaining more power. I'm hearing that Kingpin might be the guy bankrolling the Thunderbolts. I like that. that. That's nice. I mean, it's nothing that's been done in the comics before, but it's kind of a nice parallel to what they did with like Norman Osborn being the leader of the Thunderbolts, like that kind of character being in charge of his own super team. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, so Val works for Kingpin, unbeknownst to everyone else, and so yeah, I I love that rumor, man. I hope that that's I hope that that's what we're looking at, is we're gonna find out that he's the guy behind the the Thunderbolts getting together. Should be interesting. It'll be Definitely interesting. A good choice putting somebody with those sorts of chops, you know, at, mm-hmm. the, at the top in the leadership position, and it totally makes sense because he would have the funds to bankroll it. Yeah, Kevin Feige actually came out and said, um, you know, during some interviews at San Diego Comic Con, he's like, you know, yes, you've met some of the members of the Thunderbolts, but you've also not met some members of the Thunderbolts. There's going to be new members, but you've you've seen some, but there's going to be other ones that you haven't seen yet. So they're still building that team out. So uh, it'll be interesting to see like how many, how many different members of the Thunderbolts there are, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, THR broke the news that uh, Avengers: The Kang Dynasty will be directed by Shang Chi filmmaker Destin Daniel Cretton. Uh, we talked about this earlier. Uh, it's unclear who's writing the King, uh, the King Dynasty, and what heroes would even make up this team's roster, uh, which. Uh, but, uh, is that, yeah, is that all the news that I have for that one? Yeah, that's it. That's all we know. I, you know what? Honestly, this guy, uh, for me, uh, that Shang-Chi movie, that, and I would say Spider-Man No Way Home are my two favorite movies in phase four. And, uh, yeah, given this guy. The uh, the King Dynasty. I'm 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 down for it. 
I'm actually, I'm absolutely down for it. That's another reason that maybe maybe he does this and Shang Chi at the same time, and and he leaves he leaves the Kang Dynasty after that with the events of that movie tying into his next Shang Chi film. Yeah, I like that. Right. Yeah, very possible. You've kind of convinced me that that could be the way with that title, how that title fits in so well with the Kang Dynasty as an aftermath to that story. Yeah, and then he leads us, like, just kind of like the Russo brothers filmed the two at the same time. Uh, Destin Daniel Cretton might be doing these two projects back to back. I I wouldn't even be surprised if one of the post-credit scenes is is something that he filmed with Shang-Chi. Yeah, and it, it would be weird that they would announce him as the director for Kang Dynasty before an- announcing his return for Shang-Chi 2. Like, why wouldn't they do the other first if that was coming first? Yeah. If the movie's called The Wreckage of Time, it might be because of the aftermath that happens in the in the Kang Dynasty. And, I mean, I really hope that they make his character important. And for him to be, like, the first movie after a big Avengers movie... You know, they kind of they remember they when they did that with uh, with Infinity War, like the the next movie after Infinity War was uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know that was like uh, you know it's like uh, that's that's big to be the, the to be the next movie after an Avengers movie. Oh, for sure. That's I'm so curious about what those two movies are going to be after Kang Dynasty. Like that, you're right. That's big business. Whatever they are, they're getting a big push from being in that position. Like they should do something like Shang-Chi, like don't waste it on something that you already know. is just a bona fide popular character hit movie. Yeah. Yeah. Use it to elevate someone. I was not impressed by this next story. I'm going to be bringing up here. It was the direct. They, they were teasing in this article uh, about uh, uh, She-Hulk's new origin story in the upcoming series. And I really don't feel like I learned a lot here. Um, in a new She-Hulk featurette from Entertainment Tonight, footage, uh, new footage showed how Jennifer Walters transforms into a brand new hero. It seems that at some point, Bruce and Jennifer get into a significant car crash. Somehow, Bruce looks to have gotten out of his smart Hulk, smart Hulk persona as he can be seen in the sling he wore during the Shang-Chi post-credits scene. Uh, during the whole ordeal, Jennifer looks to have gotten some of her cousin's blood in her veins, causing her to Hulk out. This is surprisingly similar to how her cousin's blood turned her in the comics, but there it was via a proper medical transfusion after a shooting. Here, the change makes it the product of an accidental circumstances in a freak accident. Uh, her new origin is confirmed by Maslani herself, as in the featurette she can be seen saying, Jennifer Walters is an attorney who has accidentally taken in the Hulk's blood and has become She-Hulk. I think it's, I guess it's telling. I think it's kind of stupid, though. Uh, so... So yeah, some is it the- stupid on purpose? Is that like part of the comedy angle of the show? Like, are we not supposed to take that origin seriously? Because it, it seems hard to. I mean, she gets in a wreck and some of the blood gets in her mouth or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, doesn't you got to imagine in all these big battles that the Hulk's been in that he's bled all over the fucking place. Like, are there just all kinds of people all over that accidentally fucking breathed in some Hulk blood and have powers? Like, what is going on? That here? would be explained by it being part of the 
banner DNA. Oh, they're relatives, so it works on her. Oh, boy. That's still, like, a little bit of a groan. Big time. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. I mean... I don't know. She accidentally takes in some of the Hulk's blood. Just come on, guys. Let's be more creative. I was, you know, I was more of a fan of like, you know, when when the when the Thanos snap happened, when Hulk did his snap, it sent off gamma gamma radiation. And and um, I mean, and we know it did because Hulk said I was made for this. I was made for this. That's why they had him do it, because it was gamma. And I just thought with the gam- with the with the snap happening and sending off the gamma ra- waves throughout the throughout the universe that maybe that would have affected her her DNA. But now they're telling me it's a car crash and some she gets some blood on her. <laughs> it's kind of reminiscent of the the Stan Lee cameo that was in the Incredible Hulk. Also, I was thinking of that too with the soda bottle. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, more She-Hulk stuff. It, it looks like, uh, from what I'm reading, that uh, Emil Blonsky will not show up until episode three. So we'll have to wait until the third episode, from what I'm hearing, before we get our first Emil Blonsky um, slash abomination appearance. Um, and then also, what about those World War Hulk rumors? Um, it was over a year ago, I believe, that My Time to Shine Hello said that the Hulk at the end of the She-Hulk series would be shipped off planet. And, um, you know, that's one of the rumors that I believe for a long time. And now I'm seeing, uh, differing opinions on that. There was somebody saying, but that the rumor was backed up by Casey Walsh and Charles Murphy. And now I'm reading from Charles Murphy recently has just said, I haven't heard a single thing on World War Hulk in over a year. And I ask all the time. So maybe this isn't, maybe this was something that was in the works at one time and now it's not happening. Maybe they are having a problem with doing a World War Hulk kind of project with, with the, you know, universal distribution rights. I thought that they would be able, I thought that was only for film rights and they would be able to do something for television or maybe they just abandoned this altogether and they're not going to do it. I just thought maybe with her having, you know, a connection to some of these villains and superheroes that she's going to be defending, like Emil Blonsky, um, I thought, you know, with him possibly being a, a member of the Thunderbolts that, Maybe a Thunderbolts team wouldn't like to have a Bruce Banner around and, you know, they fucking ship him off planet somehow. They pulled him in one of those fucking Nick Fury, you know, uh, cages that we saw at Avengers and, you know, ship him off planet, get, get him the fuck out of here. But maybe, maybe we're not getting any World War, Hulk, uh, World War Hulk guys is what I'm trying to say. What the fuck is with uh, Disney? Why can't they just throw enough money at Universal and just end this Hulk shit? Like, <laughs> when will it ever end? I don't know. <laughs> I would love to see another Hulk movie. It feels like that shouldn't be that hard. Like, at one point, they bought the entire fucking Fox and all that. Like, can't we get fucking Hulk back? Yeah, I mean, we we finally got 
I mean, can we get a Namor movie? Is that even possible without having Namor and Black Panther? Can we get just a Namor movie, Jake? No, we can't. That's the same thing, too. Like, that's such a small potatoes character. Like, I can't believe that the studio is grasping onto it for so long. Like, it's unfortunately, like, it's really cool that Stan Lee did what he did because otherwise Marvel Comics wouldn't exist as we know them. And that's why we're in the situation we're in because when they went Chapter 13, the only way they survived was by splitting off all these different heroes to all these different production companies. But, man, it's just ridiculous now. Like, how ironclad were these Hulk and Namor contracts? Like, at least with the Fantastic Four, they had to make a movie every seven years or they would lose the rights. Like, yeah. they haven't done shit with these characters. How do they still have the rights to them? I don't know. I don't know what's in these contracts. But Universal owns Namor's, Namor's rights. Uh, I thought Paramount was Namor and Universal was Hulk. No, I, I thought that as well. I'm actually reading a article here from Screen Rant that was published in February of 2020. And they said, movie rights to Namor did belong to Universal, who acquired them in the 1990s. As of 2013, this was still the case. But in 2014, Kevin Feige offered an update on Namor when he said that Marvel and not Universal owned the rights to Namor. However, Feige also claimed that entanglements in older contracts prevented them from moving forward on a Namor film. Uh, these comments indicated... That problems stem from distribution rights, which were still with Universal. In 2016, Marvel's chief creative officer, Joe Quesada, reiterated that Namor is back with Marvel. But what of the distribution rights? In 2018, Feige admitted that the situation, situation with Namor was still complicated. Um, do they get us up there? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not seeing anything. If Universal still holds the distribution rights to Namor, they don't know. That's the last time I guess it was addressed. Um, 2018, it was still compl complicated, but now it's 2020. They don't know whether the, whether or not the issues with Namor are ongoing remains to be seen. You can have Namor in a Black Panther movie, but as, a, as of right now, we still don't know even to this day in 2022, if you can just have a Namor movie. Jake, I don't know. It's, Wasn't there, um, this, this kind of lines up. Wasn't there, didn't you talk about rumor of a nomad movie? Yeah, that was one of those trademarked movies, Jake. Because in one of the uh, in one of the comics, that's Namor himself that becomes Nomad. Yeah, but it's whatever Nomad appeared in first. Mm, okay, okay. And I think that that's more of a Captain America type character than it would be anything. So that would still be with Marvel. Okay, but if they do the Namor thing, it would be a way for them to have him in a solo movie without necessarily calling it a Namor movie. Uh, interesting. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. The, ca the yeah. character evolves. He's not necessarily Namor anymore. He becomes the Nomad. Yeah. Huh. huh. Yeah, that'd be kind of splitting hairs. I wonder if that would fly through, though. I don't know. I don't know. They might be able to make some... Might be a loophole, Jake. I don't know. That's a great question. For like the longest time, it was like, who owned the rights to Spider Woman? You know, yeah, that's, that's a super weird one too. It's so it gets so confusing with all the Fantastic Four, X Men, Avengers stuff too, because they they really swapped a ton of those villains uh -huh. all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Like Kang fought all three of those teams within the same decade. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, Kang wasn't Kang with Fox. Yeah, because he appeared as Rama Tut 
Yeah. And that's a Fantastic Four character. So he was mm. part of Fox. So. Yeah. Yeah. So they just recently got Kang back. So uh, news from CBR.com. Wakanda Forever Lego sets seemingly reveal who takes over as Black Panther. I, are you buying Fucking Lego? Are you buying this? Though? I don't know. I, I still don't know if I'm buying this, Jake. Images post- I'm not. I think they're smart enough to, to know how to keep this kind of thing under wraps. Images posted by the Brick Fan, taken from, uh, taken from Lego's building instructions for its upcoming Wakanda Forever sets, depict minifigs of several key characters from the film. Notably, two photos appear to show Shuri in a new Black Panther suit as it resembles the last image seen in the teaser trailer. Uh, the usual black is offset by purple, gold, and silver highlights with what looks like visible claws on her feet. Uh, another unique detail are the arm blasters Shuri wears, similar to those she wields in the final battle of the first film. I'm still not, like, I've seen that, you know, Greg sent, like, the shot of us with, of the, of the, of the new suit that has the, um, that has like the Panther arm blasters that Shuri had from the first movie. And it looks like it's a part of this next suit. It doesn't necessarily hundred percent mean to me that she still couldn't make a suit with the arm blasters and then give them to someone else. Like that, like that signature Shuri, like that signature Shuri, only Shuri could wear this suit with those arm blasters. I feel like that's something she could incorporate into a suit for someone else. Um, I still think that there's a very, very good chance that it could end up being Nakia. I really do. Um, but then there's also the, is, are, are, I really do think that there's a good chance. It could, here's the thing. Nakia's official character description was listed as Nakia will have to put her reservations aside and return to Wakanda when a new threat arises so why did she leave why is she not a, you know why is she not with them anymore i think i still think she had a child with t'challa and i don't know i think she leaves wakanda and maybe she's keeping the child a secret or something i don't know and maybe she, I don't know. I may, it would make sense that the, the reveal of a child is going to be a very emotional reveal, and so you're. I think you're walking down the right path mm-hmm. of it being her not appearing with that information until later in the movie. But how does that connect with her being Black Panther? That's what I really want to figure out. I yeah. just I still and I feel like we're going to get multiple turns at characters being Black Panther in this movie as well too. So it's kind of spoiler free in that way. I, it's yeah. all about who the final person is going to be. Sure. So they can, they can really tease the audiences with these trailers and these toy reveals. And I think at the end of the day, you still can't like take that as proof that that's the person it's going to be. Yeah. What do you think, Joe? Do you? Th- I mean, I, in the past, Lego's been pretty spot on with spoiling things. Uh, I I remember when we first got our first glimpse of Gore the God Butcher on a Lego box, and I was in denial being that's not how he's going to look. And that was absolutely how he looked. So I, I could see this having weight to it, but with, with everything else we know around the production of this movie and what went on behind the scenes, yeah, I still don't think that carrying on past this movie, sure. He's going to be the black Panther. 
Jake, regardless I, of what happens in the plot of this. I think Jake's on to something. And I think we've actually talked about this before that like we could see not only Shuri wearing a Black Panther suit, Nakia wearing a Black Panther suit. We could see M'Baku wearing a Black Panther suit. It's that yeah, it's, it's that spoiler final one because of that. It's exactly it's that final one. Like who is going to be who's going to take over that mantle at the end? Like there's a chance that you know um, it's not Shuri that fucking it, it, that takes the the heart shaped herb. I mean, it could be given to Nakia, and Nakia is the one that kind of like crosses over and talks with you know, possibly Killmonger if that's the route they're going to take, you know, because we've heard that might be a thing and it might be Nakia and we might not know. We might, we might just, we might see someone like, it might, what do you think, Jake? How could they pull that off? Like we won't know until they take that mask off. Like we know somebody was given the herb, but we don't know who it was. Like you oh, have I like to sh- that. In my head, it was we were going to see the final person putting it on. But I like the idea of seeing a final person in the costume and getting the mask pulled off. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Mm. I'm trying to think of like how you do that with them going, you know, because you would imagine that they we'd see a scene of like this person going into the ancestral plane. And like, how do you how do you pull- I think we'll see the final person accepting there'll be like 20 minutes left to the movie what if we we'll see, see what if we see shuri go to the ancestral plane and she's they and and once she gets there she's she's basically told that she's not the black panther that she's not <laughs> what a bummer well it happened in the comics yeah like, they I remember to- that and so it makes me wonder if like we get that scene and then we think that we're not gonna get one <laughs> and then all of a sudden like you know, at the end, we get this Black Panther and it's Nakia. I'm trying to find any way to make it Nakia and not Shuri because that's who I want. I want Lapita Nyong'o as the Black Panther for, I think for you some have time. A ch- I don't think you have a 0% chance of that. Okay. I, I think that's so off the radar that it almost makes it possible. Because I, I have a hard time believing that the final one is going to be one of the three people that hopitated it before the final one. It's going to be someone from left field. It's not going to be like, oh, we decided it's Shuri. And we've already seen her in the costume. I, we're going to see someone don the costume for the first time and become the new Black Panther, I think, in the last act of this movie. Yeah. It's interesting. So I, I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance you get what you want. All right. Let's talk about this. Next thing I want to talk about is the rumor, and we've talked about this on a previous episode, of you know a post credit scene in... Black Panther, if you don't want to hear this, fast forward. It's a possible post credit scene in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So this is your official warning, and I'm going to go over it in three, two, and one. Anyway, there is a rumor that one of the post credit scenes in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, we are going to see a shot of Doctor Doom. And we're going to find out that he was the one behind orchestrating the attacks of Atlantis, which is now being called Talakan in this movie. So Atlantis will be called Talakan in um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. He's the one who orchestrated the attack between the Wakandans and Talakan. And 
I guess the whole reason we can kind of come to the conclusion that the whole reason he did is he wants the spoils of whatever war, uh, uh, any vibranium he can get his hands on to find, you know, uh, for whatever he's doing in Latveria. And they're saying, and, and now Skylar Schuler from Diz Insider is saying, Dr. Doom is not being played by a stand-in. He's saying they got an actor. And so uh, another scooper here who has been backed by multiple things that this person has said. My Time to Shine Hello has backed multiple things this, this other scooper has said. And the other scooper is uh, on Twitter, at CanWeGetToast, said, I've heard some rumblings that Giancarlo Esposito has met with Marvel to discuss a couple of roles, one of them being Doom. So we were talking about Giancarlo Esposito possibly being Professor Xavier. I personally was hoping for Magneto. I'm hearing that he's met, and these are all possibilities for Esposito. They want him. They want him in their stable of fucking actors in the MCU for something. And so it's either down to Xavier, Magneto, or Doom. And if they don't have a stand-in actor, if they got Esposito as Doom in Wakanda Forever... That's fucking huge because like it's not like the Thanos thing where they didn't have Brolin cast yet. We're going into Wakanda Forever post credit scene and it's like, possibly Giancarlo Esposito as the character. We might hear his voice. I love this actor, but I'd really prefer him as either of the other two roles. Uh, my biggest problem with this is I really want whatever doom we have to be on the same age level as whatever read we have. Like it'll be a disappointment to me if those two aren't like right there in the same age bracket oh i hadn't even considered that i i'm such a huge fan of the actor i know we've talked in the past about him being typecast as as villains but man i i think that he could bring a a lot of really good stuff to this role but but jake you bring up a really valid point there that it would be pretty cool to see him and reed around the same age and in those other indicators seem like they're going with a younger fantastic four so yeah, uh, I w- we did a we did an episode. I think it was episode fourth. Uh, I can't remember. Maybe four thirty one, where we had like you know possible MCU San Diego Comic Con leaks, and we talked about the the Blade leak of like who the villain is going to be, and it being you know Anthony Starr of the Boys playing Dracula, and I immediately maybe a couple days later got a text from uh, Dan Ramirez from the Heroes of Noise. He's like, you know what? I, I heard that. And he's like, you know who I want Anthony Starr as? Dr. Doom. And I was like, holy shit. Anthony Starr. Oh, that's more than good. That is fucking. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, is really like, good. That's, that's, that's spectacular. Exactly like the age bracket that I really want the character in. It'd be easy to meet that with Reed. It's kind of fan casting, but man, I, I, I think it would be spectacular, dude. I I just I want I want him in the MCU and to have him in the role of Doom would be it, it would be unbelievable. Yeah, because that means <laughs> it wouldn't just be a one and done. He's going to be able to get to to yeah. to to flex his chops for more than one movie. And also, I mean, it's it's Doom. This is something that we've been looking forward to seeing for so long. And to get it as Anthony Starr in the MCU would be a real treat. Fucking, it's just like does the guy have the time to do it? Can he commit to Marvel? 
you know. I God, make it work. Somehow, please make this work. Make this happen. I mean, if he's if if he's if it's not a stand-in, and if they can get Anthony Starr to be Doom, and you know he's not going to have a bigger role up until you know. I mean, we'll see him scattered here and there, like we did Thanos. We got the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, Thanos scene. It's not like we got. We didn't really get Thanos until we got into Infinity War. I mean, we can we hopefully they can they can work with with Star's schedule with the boys and everything, and you know then he can become a bigger player. And Jake, the more you kept talking about fucking Secret Wars and fucking Doom, fucking sliding in there, and then becoming Emperor God Doom towards the end of that fucking thing, I, the more I love it, and the more I the more I think of Anthony Star as Doom and being that guy doing that, the more I think like, oh my god, this is the fucking this is the injection that I need from the MCU right now. Like, let's 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 really make some great castings because that, that's one of the things that I really loved about the MCU starting out is like they were just you they could not miss with casting. Like you you, you get the guy who is like the you know the Human Torch to fucking now play Captain America and just fucking kill it. You get this unknown from Australia to be Thor and he's fucking incredible and it's like. Their, their casting has just been so on point and you know I, for them to for them to fuck it up and and give us the wrong doom and i we're not hearing wrong names here i, I love esposito i but i mean no i and this 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 fucking anthony star is just dream casting like not, nobody has said this i haven't the only thing i can link link him to is playing dracula and blade that's a rumor you know what makes me think this is real, though, that there actually is an actor on set and it's not a stand in is how well Marvel hid the Brett Goldstein stuff at the end of Love and Thunder. Like no one had a whiff of that casting until we saw it in the post credit sequence. <laughs> Spoilers for Love and Thunder, everyone. Uh, we already gave a spoiler warning for this guy. We read three, two, one, these bitches in already. I, you, I, I just try, I do try to be mindful, Jake. I try. No, I, I try. I appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't have a whiff of that casting at all. So, I mean, it could just be fucking anybody. It could be Anthony Starr. And they're capable of keeping that secret and keeping that casting news out of the papers until until we see the movie. That's If, if anything, Love and Thunder proved that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder when we're going to get the – I mean, when, I wonder when we're going to see anything from that. You know, because you, you think that, like, Secret Wars is a good way to kind of, like, you know, reset the universe and everything. And so it would be interesting to see when that next Thor movie is going to happen. Yeah, it's probably one of those dots that we haven't filled in yet because we haven't, like, quite signed the contracts. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I think it's, it feels pretty soon to get another Thor movie. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I Marvel usually doesn't. That wasn't a jokey post-credit sequence, so they have to have an idea what's going on with it. And it seems too long to wait until after Secret Wars. Maybe the I, character comes back and fights Thor in one of these event movies. Maybe it's not even another Thor movie. It does seem too long, and people can say, "Oh well, we didn't get the second Doctor Strange movie until you know this year." And I'm also going to remind them that yeah, the first one came out in 2017, but we also had to wait an additional year because of because of COVID. We also saw plenty of the character in between one and two. Yeah, and one one didn't have any dangling threads in the likes of what Love and Thunder had. 
Yeah. I like we kind of saw the character grow and evolve in a bunch of movies before we got Doctor Strange 2. It's not like we were wanting for Doctor Strange anytime during that period. Do you think Doctor Strange 3 will get back to Mordo? Um, I don't. I do. I think they need to. I think it would be the best decision. I, I think that would be the best movie and the most interesting movie, but I don't know. I feel like they're... Doctor Strange seems like their place to do just do really wonky shit. And that that seems way too grounded for the trajectory that they're putting Doctor Strange on. I like what they did in this last movie. I do. But I feel like it was just to set up more of the multiverse stuff. And it was a, you know, tie into WandaVision and what's going on there and the Darkhold and Incursion. Chavez launching point. Chavez launching point, which she had some quotes. I'm going to go over here in a second from uh, Sochi Gomez, who played the character. But I feel like it wasn't a proper Doctor Strange sequel. And I don't want the character to get lost in the mix to be like, yeah, a launching pad for other storylines. I would like them to go back and just do... Do what you set up with Mordo and finish that in the third movie. I I don't want to see every movie being tied to a greater event. Yes, do I love the fact that we got Captain America Civil War, which like wasn't just like a Captain America movie. It was, but it wasn't. I mean, it set everything up. And they did the kind of the same thing here with Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. I like that, but I do want them to get back to like more personal kind of fucking stories. And I feel like they're even even with- Civil War, though. Yeah. Continued along with the, the Bucky Steve stuff that was so part of the, the second movie, way more so than Doctor Strange 2 picked up with any of the threads from its first movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll give it that. I mean, but it was more of an ensemble thing than it was just a cap thing, too. Right. I mean, we got Iron Man and everything else. We had the origin. We had like two introductions to uh, we had the introduction of Black Panther and Spider-Man. I I see what you're saying. I do agree with that, but it definitely did a much better job. Even with all that, even with it being like an Avengers 2.5, it still very much felt like Cap's movie. Like he was definitely the heart of the movie. And I, I think you're absolutely right that as much as I love Dr. Strange two, it's easily my favorite phase four movie at, at the heart of it is not Dr. Strange. And here's the thing. I feel like they were originally I do feel like they're originally just going to like the 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 rumored scene of Baron Mordo showing up trying to kill Scarlet Witch at the cabin because he wants to get rid of all dark magic users. That scene. I do 100 percent believe that it was like cut out of the movie. Because did you guys see the poster? Um, It had. Uh, there was a poster for it, and it showed like that cabin, and I believe it had Mordo at that cabin location, like in the like in one of the posters. I might be wrong oh, wow. here, but I know it had a the cabin in that fucking poster. I'm pretty damn remember, sure that Mordo's in that. I remember that being talked about before that 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 was going to be a scene. Well, that they would if they would have just killed off if they would have killed off six one six Mordo. They would have, like, any chance of us getting any resolution to, like, that first Doctor Strange movie and that, and that, and, and Mordo would have been killed right there. Done. Yeah, it, it would have been them saying, okay, we're not going to go in this direction that, that Scott Derrickson laid out in his movie. I, I could see them with the way that they ended the second Doctor Strange movie, though. I could see that bringing uh, 616 Mordo back into the movie for the third one, though, 
because the way that things are left off with Strange seemingly about to go to the Dark Dimension and with uh, the the uh, Sorcerer Supreme Wong now training a new crop of students, it, it seems like thematically and with the plot that was left off at the end of one, Morta would slot right into a storyline for three. Here we go. Here we go. I found the article. This is from The Direct. And this is the Screen X poster for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. A Reddit user found this. uh, It was the Screen X poster for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness teased a deleted scene from the sequel's first act with Wanda Maximoff and Baron Mordo. Under Elizabeth Olsen's left uh, left arm, fans can see a log cabin that looks like the one that Wanda was in for her first scene of the movie. Looking more closely, Earth-616's Baron Mordo can be seen walking toward Wanda Maximoff, as evidenced by the staff of the Living Tribunal hanging down his back. This is a direct reference to the recently revealed deleted scene that showed Mordo coming to Wanda to kill her before Wanda ruthlessly takes him out by beheading him. That's in the poster. I'm looking at the zoomed-in picture of this on the poster. The article, it it, it comes from the direct, and it's titled, Doctor Strange 2 Poster Reveals Scarlet uh, Scarlet Witch's Deleted Opening Scene is the title of this article, if you want to look it up. And you can clearly see Baron Mordo. You see the staff of the Living Tribunal hanging off his back, her walking out of the house. And I feel like that was deleted, and like, that's proof right there that they had no follow-up for that character after the events of Doctor Strange originally. And maybe they changed that. Maybe we are maybe we are going to get that proper Doctor Strange sequel and that's why they took it out last minute. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely the direction Derrickson would have gone just from what we saw in the first movie. Oh, and, uh, Derrickson wouldn't have done any of this. That's why he left. I, I think Derrickson was going to give us the nightmare character for this movie. I don't think he wanted to do anything multiverse. No, I, not multiverse. I mean more more Baron Mordo. He would have had more of that oh, okay. character. Even yeah. with Nightmare, I think that character still would have played a much bigger part in his sequel. Oh, I agree. I agree. I don't think it would have been like I don't think it would have been like that movie that we got any resolution. But yeah, Mordo would have been kind of you know some teased and breadcrumbs for like the the third Doctor Strange movie. So yeah, yeah. and that scene you described really sounded like sounded like another Sam Raimi Evil Dead homage. You know, another a, a cabin out in the woods and him you know coming up and stalking her while she was there oh we talked about this scene before when we did the you know dr strange possible leaks and you know and how this was going to be the first scene of the movie and it never happened so um let's see here oh yeah sochi gomez who played america chavez kind of teased that uh she might be a uh bigger player um, going into this multiverse saga, she was talking to uh, Insider, and uh, she said, uh, I can't really ignore the fact that her powers are traveling the multiverse, and the next chapter of the MCU is literally the multiverse saga. So she, in a way, is kind of trying to... to uh, I think she's trying to tease that she's going to have a, a big role in uh, possibly... You know, Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, and then even in Secret Wars. 
So. Oh, I can see it. Kang is totally killing this girl. <laughs> <laughs> She's got to be a huge threat. Either that or, you know, he wants he wants her, if not captured, to try and maybe sway her over to his side. I I see. Uh, God, I still see her as part of that Young Avengers. I don't know if they're wanting to kill her off immediately. Oh, yeah. She's definitely going to be part of that team. But won't we get that movie before we get... Kang Dynasty. They haven't, even an- they haven't even announced a Young Avengers anything. They've just like we've just been putting it together as fans that like we're getting introduced to a lot of young characters. You know, fucking, you know, uh, you know, Cassie Lang and and uh, you know Patriot and all these all these young characters, Wiccan and you know, and so it's like we're trying to as fans will it into existence, but they've announced nothing. Okay. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I, she's definitely going to play a big part. Like her power set, like you, you can't ignore that. It's going to come into play somehow. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. Like her saying that. Like, listen. Like you have to think that my character, who can travel through the multiverse, and we're literally in the multiverse saga, she's basically saying, "Yes, my character is going to be important." Um, when we, you know, and Doctor Strange's relationship with her is going to be very important when we get into into the multiverse saga. And I'm sure she is going to be a person of interest for fucking Kang. Um, THR had an article about Kevin Feige, and they revealed that he said that Fantastic Four would not be an origin story. It says, Feige compared Marvel's new take on the heroes to its pact with Sony to bring Spider-Man in the MCU, noting this will not be another origin story. Quote, a lot of people know this origin story. A lot of people know the basics. How do we take that and bring something that they've never seen before? Um, And so he said, uh, we've set a very high bar for ourselves with bringing that to the screen. So it's not going to be an origin story. That's surprising to me. Like uh, on one side of the fence, I'm glad because it kind of speeds that along and gets to the fun. But on the other side, that's always a weird one because it's so dated in the 60s that it always feels like the movie can't just use the 60s origin. It always has to kind of have some kind of twist on that because with today's modern science, it just doesn't make any sense to do it like it was originally done. So I wonder if it's just something we're going to see in the opening credits or like we'll see some newspapers or, or just fucking something, you know? I would love to see us go throughout this entire movie with the with, with the Fantastic Four in space doing shit and then find out that they're in the multiverse and in their multiverse they were coming directly out of the 60s. Yeah, that that's super fun. Like the 60s style of Fantastic Four is so much fucking fun. And it just oozes Stan Lee and, and Jack Kirby. And oh, I would totally. love to see that. But uh, just the whole time we're watching it, we didn't know, you know, because they're out in space. And because we've always seen them kind of like Earth based. I would love to see like a family out in space established out on this cosmic side of the universe and then come to find out that they're not even in the Marvel 616, that this is a fantastic four that's in another universe whether it be like you know you know uh, you know seven two seven or whatever the fuck and then like they're brought in to the 616 through the events of you know the kang dynasty or secret wars or whatever so that's a great point about them not really doing the space stuff very much. I mean, Fantastic Four and Spider-Man were my two favorite comic books as a kid. And it was because I got kind of both slices of life there. I got the the city stuff with Spider-Man 
and then just all the outer space, different world stuff in Fantastic Four. And yeah, for the most part, the movies haven't taken advantage of any of that when, to me, that was like the key selling point of the comic book. Yeah, give us this family out in space. <laughs> I mean, that's what yeah, I want to like see. it's like Swiss Family Robinson <laughs> right. out in space. Oh, perfect. Well, and now we've got the technology to where they can do this set in space and, and make it look incredible. I mean, think of how good the Guardians movies looked. So, I mean, they can totally give us this, you know, lost in space type story with this family. And I love the idea of it being from a different multiverse. And I kind of like that of them doing that with maybe even some of the stuff that we've already seen, uh, but definitely with future projects that have yet to come. Because once we get to Secret Wars, we need to have that groundwork laid that we care about characters from a lot of different multiverses and not knowing which ones can survive this, this final battle. So I think that this is perfectly in line with what fantastic four could be. Oh, I forgot to say, um, uh, Sochi Gomez was asked if her character could possibly be a mutant and she would not, she couldn't give a concrete answer and would not give a concrete answer. So, who knows? We might find out that she is a mutant. She came from another multiverse. So, interesting. But, uh, yeah, I, I would love to see, like, you know, the X-Men already established from another part of the multiverse and just brought over into ours. Yeah, that's a great way to do it, where you don't have to act like it's just this thing we've never pointed the camera at for 15 fucking years. And it we makes didn't sense. It makes sense yeah. because that's where the, you know, I mean, in Ms. Marvel, the clandestine, that's where they they were from, you know, another dimension or whatever. And they were brought over here. And that's why she carries the Ms. Marvel carries the mutant gene. Right. If I'm, you know, if I'm reading everything into that series correctly. So mutants are maybe from just another another part of the multiverse. So, yeah, and that's why we've never seen one so far. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, and, you know, and people say, you know, well, what about Namor? We don't know if Namor's a mutant in this, in the MCU yet. And we don't know where his people came from. He could be from another universe as well. Exactly. They could have been here much longer, traveled from another part of the universe a long time ago, hundreds of years ago. Anyway, uh, interesting plot leak on 4chan. There's actually a couple plot leaks for the Marvels out there on 4chan. But I wanted to go over this one because it was on uh, Marvel Spoilers. What was it? Yeah. Um, the Marvel uh, Spoilers uh, Reddit. But it was approved by the mods over there. And uh, it says that the, the movie has a colorful, lighthearted tone and a strong musical element similar to the Guardians of the Galaxy films. The movie is strongly tied with Secret Invasion with the villains framing the scrolls for a series of attacks on the Kree Empire to advance their goals. The main villain is General Ail Dom, played by Zawi Ashton, who leads a rogue faction of genetically enhanced Kree and needs the Negabands to activate their powers. I've heard that... I think I read somewhere else that Zawi Ashton is playing a different character name. Hold on, let me see... I thought she was... Yeah, I, I heard she's playing Dar Ben in the other leak. Hmm, I've never heard that name before. Yeah, I don't know that, that either. So the leaks kind of differ there. 
One says she's playing Ale Dam, and then the other leak says she's playing a character named Dar Ben. And I've heard the name Dar Ben thrown around online quite a bit, so I don't know which one to believe. Um, the main villain is General Ale Dam, played by Zawi Ashton, who leads a rogue faction of genetically enhanced Kree and needs the Nega Bands to activate their powers. In earlier drafts of the script, Ale Dam was a geneticist who used moonstones to enhance her followers. It's unclear if that element is present in the film. Carol Danvers finds one of the bands, and Kamala Khan has another, causing the two and Monica Rambeau to randomly switch places as seen in the Ms. Marvel post credit scene. Carol is more playful. That's She switched places with Carol. Monica Rambeau had nothing to do with that. I don't even know why they're throwing her fucking name in there. <laughs> right. Carol is, <laughs> Carol is more playful and roguish in the film, contrasting the serious Monica and naive Kamala. At one point, the girls hide on a planet, Aladna, where people communicate through song and dance. Park Seo Joon plays Prince Yan, who has a crush on Carol, and helps them after Carol promises to marry him. There, the girls bond, train with their powers, and get their new suits. This segment features numerous musical sequences. Carol and Ail Dom reportedly have a Killing Eve dynamic, an intense rivalry with a hint of sexual tension. Due to her power to manipulate different forms of energy, Monica is pivotal, pivotal to synchronizing hers, Carol's, and Kamala's powers to achieve binary form. Maria Rambeau appears in flashbacks, and the movie explores Monica's resentment over Carol leaving them behind when she was a child. Nick Fury, Valkyrie, and Kamala's family have small roles in the film. And there's also another. Uh, there's also a com- another completely different uh, spoiler thread about the Marvels out there. I'm not. It, it's very long. I'm not going to read that one. But if you would like this one and that one. I would, uh, I'll send them to you in an email. Just send me an email uh, to uh, brian at popcultureleftovers.com. Title it, uh, The Marvel's Leaks. And I will send you both of them. I'll send you both of the leaks. And uh, you can compare. One's calling her, one's calling her character, Zawe Ashley's character, uh, fucking uh, Ale, Ale Dom, and the other one's Darben. I don't know, man. Fucking... And they're different. The, the, the other one's long as fuck, and I'm not going to read it. Um, I wonder how much Kree stuff we're going to see in Secret Invasion, because I, I kind of thought it was going to be mostly the whole scroll thing, but they may it may be kind of a play on the whole Kree scroll war, it's starting to sound like. Oh, that'd be so much fun. This is going to lead into Secret Invasion. I I keep... One of the things that I heard and I think we talked about last episode was that the the main plot of the movie is that the Kree want Kamala's band. They want they want her band. So that's that's the plot that I've heard. Her bangle. Bangle. <laughs> Uh, can we get some toast? Had a Punisher. 
possible rumor here. Uh, I've also heard some rumblings to expect Bernthal's Punisher to be back within the next two years. Lots of projects between all of 2024 where Punisher could fit. So might possibly be getting John Bernthal back as the Punisher. We'll see. I Did liked you... him in the role. I, I like John Bernthal. I didn't care for his Punisher, though. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I watched the second season of it. I watched the first season. I really did like him in the second season of Daredevil. Uh, I, th- I think what – does it say anything in that article about them saying that if there is a Punisher series, it would be a TVMA? Because I, I swore I, I read or saw something about that. I didn't see that. That's not part of this. I saw that too, but it was pure clickbait speculation. Okay, maybe that's what it was. Because, yeah, for me it's like, okay, after Moon Knight, you know, which while I did like – I, I did not like that that Kevin Feige's statements before the show coming out didn't pan out at all. And this is just another one of those hyper violent characters, you know, from the Netflix shows where it's like, are they just going to tame it down? Um, but I, I did like John Barenthal's Punisher well enough to where I'd still be interested in seeing what they're going to do with it on Disney Plus. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be hyper violent but i mean that's kind of baked into who the character is so it'd be interesting to see how they're going to nerf that down <laughs> nerf gun punisher right <laughs> yeah I'm, hope- I'm hoping he uses blanks he just scares people <laughs> <laughs> fuck and if we don't get a t if you go with the same actor and you don't go tvma fuck right off like seriously fuck off with that shit the guy's got fucking guns yeah guns He's and, got guns. Uh, one of my favorite Punisher moments is just kind of a little it's a one off scene in Civil War when when he's on Cap's team and Cap has a couple of villains that join his team. And as soon as they walk in the room, Frank Castle just immediately smokes both of them. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like, well, what did you expect? You bring criminals in front of me. I'm going to murder them. And Cap is so pissed. The and Cap Punisher just, dynamic in that story is awesome. Yes, it's just so good in in. And if you nerf that character down too much, it, it really changes it it, it. it fundamentally changes the character too much. And so I'm curious to see how they will handle it on there because it, it was pretty successful on Netflix. You know, what's promising is the fact that the Marvel Zombies project animated project that they have is is set to be TVMA mm-hmm. <laughs> for animated, too. It's like, how bold are they going to go? That's no, that it's super promising though, right? That that something new that they're doing is going to be TVMA and not just the stuff they're something pulling. They already did that they're keeping MA. Nothing that they did. Yeah. Nothing that they did. Stuff that they're just because they've done nothing TVMA. Yeah. It's stuff Marvel that Zombies will be the first original property. Yes, because you know, Logan and Deadpool and all that stuff is from Fox and you know, the Netflix stuff with Daredevil and Punisher and all that stuff. That's all. That was all Netflix. So this would be the first, like, fucking Marvel Studios, Marvel Animation shit that's actually TVMA. That's promising. So I'm hoping that My Time to Shine Hello saying that the Daredevil stuff is PG-13 is wrong. And that fucking Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio agreed to come back if they could do it their fucking way. And do it the way that we loved it on Netflix and not fucking water this shit down with fucking PG-13 baby bullshit. Yeah, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I just, oof. 
I don't know how passionate those guys are about the R rating. Hopefully they are, though. D'Onofrio was. D'Onofrio, from what I was reading uh, from him on Twitter and people saying, like, he would not come back to the character if it wasn't if it wasn't the character that he played from the Netflix series. So I'm hoping that that's still the case, that it's still the same fucking brutal fucking kingpin that we, you know, knew and loved from that Netflix series. I'm hoping I'm holding on to that. Uh, I've only got one story left here and then we've got a DC story. News from comicbook.com. Aaron Taylor Johnson confirms Craven will be the hunter that we all want. Quote, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paddle back time. Taylor Johnson wouldn't confirm any specifics about the movie. He did take the opportunity to clarify who his version of the Craven Hunter is in the film. He says, I can't confirm any details or anything. And also, I guess that was probably a little taken out of context and then run. I mean... I think you know what I meant. What really stated was that he was a protector of the natural world, I said, and he's a conservationist, which is probably more accurate, and then should have stopped there, full stop. Shouldn't have gone on beyond that because, yeah, I think you know what you really got to understand. Yeah, he is a hunter and from that world of hunting, and there's so many aspects. What I love about that character is that what is he humanizing is that he has flaws, right? Craven is a beautiful character. Sergei Kravinov is a beautiful character because it's someone who's really understanding themselves and has flaws. This is a character that was built ages ago and it's in a new time and era. But yeah, is he going to be the hunter that we all want to see? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, don't worry, guys. Don't worry. Sony's like, you get out there and you fucking fix this right the fuck now. I don't care if you have to walk out there with a fucking rabbit in your hands and snap his neck. We're going to prove we're going to prove that you're the the hunter. (laughs) Oh, man, this guy got a talking to this whole article reeks of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just have such low confidence in any of this spy- Sony Spider-Verse bullshit that they're trying to force on us. Anything live action that Sony's doing connected with Spider-Man is suspect to me. <laughs> As it should be. Uh, Joe, did you... Oh, you were on the Morbius episode. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw it. I, I, I paid uh, money and saw it. I sat in the theater yeah. and I watched Morbius and it was... I, going back, I still enjoyed that scene with Matt scene, or Matt Smith uh, chewing up the scenery after he first changed. <laughs> I don't care. I liked that. <laughs> but yeah, that movie was such trash. Uh, and the fact that Sony got, got fooled into re-releasing it in the theater, like, they got so trolled on that. And how much of their own Kool-Aid are they drinking with trying to force this shit? Every time I see set pictures online of this is what's going on on Madam Web, and it's like, chalk that up to who gives a fuck. That movie's <laughs> probably not going to be any good despite the cast. Oh, I know. So, did you hear yeah. Did you hear about uh, Matt Smith was doing the House of the Dragon panel, and like it was the first question for the Q&A, and the guy st- stood up, and he said, it's not a question, it's more of a comment. It's Morbin time. 
and like the, the whole the whole fucking, That's fucking awesome the whole place fucking erupted and matt smith had no idea what he fucking was talking about <laughs> he's so disconnected from that nonsense <laughs> Oh man, the Craven Hunt, the Craven the Hunter we've always wanted. But yeah, I, we shall see. I'm sorry, I was actually hoping for uh, a Craven's last stand here, you know. So, but uh Yeah, you and literally everyone else. Yeah. Which I don't know. Guess it involves uh Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it involves hunting too, which, you know, in first interviews he didn't seem to be a big fan of. He's a pro- he's a protector yeah. and a conservationist. It's Craven's last hunt, meaning he's not going to be a hunter anymore. He's learned the error of his ways. Sony's new movie, Vegan Craven. <laughs> oh my See god! See the adventures of Vegan Craven. Yeah, watch this fur I'm wearing. It's faux. <laughs> and you know, it's an it's an Easter themed movie. It's an Easter egg hunt. And but he didn't but his character's a vegan and didn't feel right hunting Easter eggs. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So we've painted hardened chunks of tofu. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, vegan craving to find. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a plant-based egg. <laughs> If they, if they don't have modeling tofu yet, they need it. <laughs> yeah. Get that impossible Whopper tie-in with Burger King for the vegan Craven movie. <laughs> oh, my God. DC News. Did you guys watch the new Shazam! Fury of the Gods trailer? Yes. Yes. I liked it. Yeah, same. I thought that first Shazam! movie was a lot of fun, and it looks like they're carrying it right, that same spirit, right into the sequel. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, it was a decent enough trailer. Um, it seems like they're holding back on a lot of stuff. It'll be fun to see more than just Shazam this time around and what they do with that, with the whole Shazam family. You know a part of the Black Adam trailer I fucking love now, now that I've seen it on the on the IMAX screen? What's that? That part with the fucking two fighter jets are flying, you know, alongside him, and the one motherfucker, like, points down, like, land. And he looks at him, and he just punches the goddamn wing off. (laughs) I love it. It's just like the biggest fuck you, buddy. (laughs) Fuck you and your fucking tin can bird, you little bitch. Yeah, no you land, motherfucker. (laughs) I love (laughs) anti-hero. I kind of fucking love that, Joe. I kind of fucking I kind of like the trailer now. I was like really like. whatever with the trailer at first and now that i've seen it on the imax screen i'm like i kind of like it dude i had the same experience because <laughs> i was just watching it on my phone screen yeah and then the first time i saw it in the theater i was like all right that looks pretty awesome i think i just needed to see it on a bigger screen than than my iphone you know i know we know you're still out jake we know you're still out yeah i you know i Honestly, I didn't like it from my phone, so every time I'm at the theater, I'm usually on my phone during the trailer. I liked it a lot more on the IMAX screen. I'll pay attention. Yeah. I'll put the phone down next time. Oh, you still won't like it, Jay. Come on. Oh, I love The Rock. He's one of my faves. Yeah. I even like the part now where he fucking throws the guy up into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's very invincible. Yeah, yeah. When in doubt, throw them into space. I don't know. I guess seeing it with a crowd, too, and their reactions as well kind of helped. But, uh, yeah, uh, news from Dark Horizons. Actor Jason Momoa has uh, revealed that his former Justice League co-star Ben Affleck will make an appearance in James Wan's upcoming DC superhero feature, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Guys, Ben Affleck's coming back as Batman for uh, for the Aquaman movie. This was supposed to be a post-credit scene. Uh, wasn't this supposed to be a... Wasn't there supposed to be a, a, like a post-credit scene of Batman showing up in uh, Aquaman, but it was going to be uh, uh, Michael Keaton showing up, and now, now they're bringing back Ben Affleck? Is that... Yeah, be- I read t- Go ahead. That's correct. I, I read some stuff about this. Uh, it seems like Michael Keaton had some scheduling conflicts and that Ben Affleck is actually doing Warner Brothers a solid so they can keep the same thematics of the scene they wanted to film mm. with a Batman in it. Okay. And that people shouldn't expect this to be Snyder versus Batman coming back anytime soon, that he's more of a stand-in for the exact same scene they wanted Keaton for. Okay. Announced on his Instagram page, Momoa posted a picture of himself and Affleck on the set of the sequel, along with a video of the pair's reunion being caught by some of the public doing a Warner Brothers studio tour. He captions it, reunited Bruce and Arthur, love you and miss you, Ben. Warner Brothers studio tours just explored the back lot, all right. Busted on the set. All great things coming, Aquaman 2. All my aloha. Uh, yeah, that was a cute photo of those two. Yeah, totally. I think it makes sense because like they haven't really, I mean, with the flash movie not coming out yet, they haven't reset the universe. It doesn't make sense for the other Batman to be there quite yet. Right. Yeah, that as well. Maybe now the sequence of when these movies are coming out affected who they use as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie's set to release March 17th of next year, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. So can't, can't wait. Fuck you. You haven't even, <laughs> fuck you, you son of a bitch. You haven't even watched Aquaman, you fuck. Yeah, I'm going to do one of those where I watch Aquaman 1 the week before 2. Oh, I know. That and Top Gun. I'm going to wait 30 fucking six years. I'll wait 36. I'll watch. I'll wait 36 years and watch Top Gun before the next movie comes out. (laughs) I have a feeling it's not going to be the same experience that I had with Top Gun, though. (laughs) Oh, I know. You'll hate it. I gave it. (laughs) I gave it a taste. It was a fun enough movie. Joe, did you you watched Aquaman, right? Yeah, I thought it was fun, too. Really, the, the only thing I didn't like about it was I thought the soundtrack was pretty abysmal. Soundtrack and, was oh, shit. And, yeah, it was super made fun of. <laughs> and although I loved all the stuff with Black Mantis in it, I almost could have gone without maybe with, with throwing in just a little bit of the Black Mantis stuff at the end to set it up for the next movie. I think a, a lot of that could have been cut differently to make the movie a little bit shorter and, and run a little bit smoother. But I had a lot of fun with Aquaman. You get, Way more than I thought I would. You get Yahya Abdul-Mateen, who I fucking think is a great actor, and then you give him... I mean, what they gave him for Black Manta was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he's such a good, compelling character in the comics that with them just kind of shoehorning him into the movie... Yeah. And granted, the chase scene that they had in, what was it, Italy or something like that... That was pretty exciting with him and, and just seeing him in live action and stuff. I just felt like it, 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 they should have used him a lot less and more effectively. And 
you know, maybe you can have him as like a po- like a, a mid credit scene or something like that to set him up for the next movie because he clearly wasn't the main villain in this, and so as such, he got shortchanged. You know, it's a goddamn shame is the fact that none of us got to watch Trading Paint on the big screen. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I may not have survived the experience. <laughs> you just picture people in the back row like. Oh my god. I would slow head turn and stare down that person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Anyway, we're done. That's all I got, gentlemen. We gotta talk about something else. We can't close on trading paint. (laughs) Trading paint. Oh man, I don't know about you. I secretly love the movie. Getting off this podcast to go watch it a second time. Oh, my God. Another <laughs> confession. It's not going to be my second time. This will be my fifth time watching it this week. <laughs> <laughs> going in and giving it thumbs up on multiple logins. <laughs> I, was hope- I was hoping at the end of it, like, fucking Vin Diesel would show up and he would be, like, a part of the next Fast and Furious movie. We could have, like, <laughs> Sam Monroe and Cam Monroe be a part of the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> oh boy i can't believe sam named his son cam i, I i'll never get over that <laughs> it'd be even funnier if his full name was samarin <laughs> i was just gonna Cam-Muel. say that i was just gonna say that it was cameron and samarin i swear i was just gonna say that <laughs> how fucking dumb oh my god I think it'd be great if at the end of that movie, he's kissing his new girlfriend in the car and she dies too. <laughs> that would be fucking amazing. I would have. But this time it was raining like outside. That. So what was that, Jake? I would have tasted the movie if it ended like that. Oh, that would have been amazing. Oh, <laughs> fuck. And then his third girlfriend is like, listen, we are not kissing in the car. Yeah. <laughs> not going to any fucking bases in the car. We are putting it in park before we do anything. Yeah, exactly. Joe, thank you so fucking much for joining us on this fucking episode. I'm throwing I'm throwing out the F word here at the end for no reason. This is just like unnecessary <laughs> cursing. I feel like it's the end. I, th- I feel like it's a Tarantino movie. <laughs> next thing really fucking we're gonna get a shot of your feet next joe <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody needs to see that <laughs> i'm gonna be eating a turkey leg off your feet joe oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> now i'm uncomfortable i'm gonna <laughs> joe in one week i will be spending time with you sir I know. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. It's been far too long since I got to see, you know, you guys in in person and see other people in the army and always look forward to C2E2. It's going to be an absolute blast. Yeah, man. Uh, where can people find you and what are you talking about this week? I know the answer, but I'm going to let you talk about your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on StartCast where I'm just having long form conversations with people. Uh, this week's episode, I had Philip Guillet on. And it was it was awesome. We we talked a little bit of DC fandom, and then we spent a lot of time talking about outer space. Uh, I did no idea that that Phil was like such a fan of of astronomy as well. And it was an absolutely delightful conversation with Phil. We guys talk. Are you talking about black holes and shit? 
Yeah, yeah, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, the the possibility of you know, could you have like a Bespin style cloud city in the in the atmosphere of Venus? Uh, you know what what uh, life is could potentially be like on some of the moons around Jupiter. Uh, talked about that a little bit. Talked about black holes, I think, a little bit. Um, I, I talked about magnetars for a little bit and how freaky I think those are, because uh, basically they have like a strong enough magnetic field that they could, like, just kind of rip you apart on an atomic level if you get close enough. Would you be Would you be frightened of a magnetar minotaur, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a power, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Just tear you apart on an atomic level. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! You ever yeah you, know, you you know one thing that with the minotaurs, there's the minotaur and then the centaur. Which is which? Okay, a minotaur, centaur is like oh half, half. Centaur is like half horse, half man. A minotaur is a man with the head of a bull. Okay, right. okay. Which one's got the bigger dick? Do you think? <laughs> I, bet the, I bet the centaur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That thing's probably dragging on the fucking ground. Yeah, everyone, you know, everyone talks about the legend of big old horse dicks and shit. So, <laughs> and the, the Minotaur probably has a micro peen, and that's why he's I, so I agree. I agree. What was that? What was that movie that came out? That was like it was like uh, it was like uh, it was the Pixar movie, and it had like the it was Onward. Yes. And it had like the like the mythical creatures, but they're set in like a modern setting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think like centaur porn is like huge in that world? <laughs> oh yeah, I bet it gets freakier than that. But probably, yeah, yeah. That's on the list. They've got like those videos of those girls getting ready to have sex with a guy, and they don't realize it's going to be a minotaur. It's like one of those minotaur surprise videos, and it's like, oh fuck. <laughs> Big old dick centaur minotaur man. <laughs> yeah. My stepbrother is a minotaur. I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna fuck a Keebler elf and now you got <laughs> now you're gonna split me wide open with this fucking centaur. <laughs> the girl on the couch with five minotaurs standing behind her. Right. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a fun bukaki video. <laughs> so you talked to Philip about space. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, yeah. All right, yeah. Check out Startcast. Subscribe and listen to. Philip's one of my favorite people on the planet. I love that dude. Oh, he's so the best easy to talk to. Also, just a stellar human being. No new PCL episode next week, but there will be. A random uh, episode. I have something in the queue, in the hopper, ready to. In, in, I got something in the hopper, Jake. Dennis Hopper? <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> I know. I, I was pretty tasteless of you to have it there. I, yeah, I've got a new episode shoved into Dennis Hopper's <laughs> carcass, <laughs> his dead, rotting corpse. <laughs> don't don't worry. We're gonna offer up his dead body with a new episode of PCL. Technology is so weird. It's so fucking weird. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, you'll get something. You'll get something next week. But uh, Jake, that's it. And until next week, we're 
putting putting the oh, lid on. Oh my god, Jesus fuck! <laughs> Let's try this again. Oh, I've been having anxiety since I realized we were at the. End. I know, I know. Here we go. And until next week, we're putting a lid on it. I don't want us to finish each other's sentences like we're fucking I twins. It was cute. No, we say it at the same. <laughs> we say it in unison, you son of a fuck. When I say when I say we're, you say putting a lid on it, and say it in that cadence. You don't have to putting a lid on it like you're fucking like the the okay. micro machines okay. guy. Here we I go. I thought I fixed that, and it was just bad timing this time. And until next week, we're putting a lid, lid on it. it. Yeah, you, you're just you are a, you are a hot mess, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. Put a lid on it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t shirt saying I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good it toss it, good it taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over counterculture pushovers Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Come on.
Thank you.